With Volkswagen vehicles like these, there's no need for drama or second guessing. That's because there's a Volkswagen that's a perfect match for your lifestyle. Like the joyful Taos, versatile Tiguan, sporty Jetta, stylish Atlas Crossport, and family-sized Atlas. Plus, the Taos has over 50 standard features, including LED headlights, turbocharged engine, and an 8-inch Volkswagen digital cockpit. Visit your local Volkswagen dealer today to learn more about our vehicle lineup. And and double up his money that he won last year. Like he won like twenty nine hundred bucks or something like that. Fab twenty two, search and destroy, GFG, GF, GFG. Good to see you all here. Jeff Perry, thanks for coming on in. Travis DeLuca. And uh who else is joining us here? Hmm. Paramarv, nice to see you. And uh Super Duke, Super Duke. He'll be on later with the UFO rep- or the cryptid report. And YJ Overlander, Aunt Edna, thank you for joining us. Blue Cruise, good to see you again. Nose on scent, how you doing, man? Good to see you. And I think we're almost caught up here, people. Matthew Hugh, welcome to SOR Chat. We are 10 seconds away. Stevie Franchise, good to see you. Gizzard, nice to have you here. Horns up. Super Chat is open. Let's rock this show. Oh, we got like 30 seconds. What am I doing here? We got like 30 seconds. Uh, let's get this show going. Let's have a good one. T-Star Illuminations, welcome to SOR Chat. And uh, T2E, nice to see you. She, she always waits. She always waits. She never comes in. I figured you out. You never come in until I say horns up. Let's rock. G-A-G-S-C-O, welcome to SOR Chat. And uh Yeah. Super Chat is open. Give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. And if you're new, hit subscribe. Let's do it this time. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Space Down Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We remind you that you are on one great show tonight as we broadcast live to you from British Columbia, Canada. Thank you so much for tuning us in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We got a great show happening for you tonight. Where are we going? Well, we're going to head to YouTube land where Red Panda Koala is going to go over some UFO history, past, present, and future. I love this kid, and you need to subscribe to his channel. Then, in hour number three, we're going to be joined by Swamp Dweller as we enter the swamp. Super Duke is back with the Cryptid Report. I've got the Dave 101. Shirky Poo has the news. Red Panda Koala started following the UFO phenomena back when the story went viral in 2017. His keen interest in the subject matter led him to try and find out as much as possible about what was going on in the past, present, 
and what's coming in the future. He started a YouTube channel called Red Panda Koala, which has taken off, and he's known for making short UFO history news documentaries. Quickly, he has learned there's more to this story than what we are being told since the 2004 USS Nimitz incident. I love it when we bring on these new people to ufology, relatively new, because, you know, it's a keen interest. It's a keen subject with a lot to learn. And Red Panda Koala, we are so happy to have you here on Spaced Out Radio. How you doing, my friend? Doing great. Uh, excited to be here, Dave. For you, uh, you were someone, as we were talking earlier before the show, that really got into this subject in 2017 when all the big news hit around the New York Times article, the three UFO videos that came out, Gimbal, Go Fast, and Tic Tac. You know, what really brought you to this subject? What captivated you? Um, I think the first thing I saw was the David Fravor interview. And that was like December 2017, and I remember it was like during Christmas time because I went to go stay with my parents. And I was just like, what was that news segment? What? And then my parents kind of like just kind of brushed past it, and then I looked it up more. And then like as I was reading more about it, I was like, oh, this is, uh, this is pretty interesting. Like I don't know what to make of this. So, And then I just read more, and then like, yeah, eventually, I got, like a lot of us, just came to the conclusion of like, oh, there's something really here. Um so yeah, 2017. I think I would have. I think I would have gone on to it eventually if there wasn't a 2017, because like I do get into some pretty like just like on my own time, just researching some random rabbit holes. But at that point, I was only like a year out of college, and like in college, I was really focused on just like traditional history kind of stuff. So, but uh, yeah. What caught you though? What was on the end of that fish hook? of ufology that, that really stuck in your mouth that you were like, man, I have to go down this rabbit hole. I have to do this. Um, yeah. So it was like the Dave Fravor interview, right? It's the one where he was on Tucker and he was like, Tucker asked him like, what do you think it is? And he's like, Oh, it's not of this world. I remember that. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, Hmm, it's interesting being played on mainstream TV. Like, I don't know what to make of this. It's kind of weird. Uh, and then, and then I think it was like in that same um, push as when Luis Elizondo's interview came out. So that was like also pretty interesting. I was like, what the heck is all this stuff? And then, and then yeah, from there, just doing like basically since that day, like reading about this stuff like every day. We're all addicted to it, you know? Well, let's talk about that addiction. Because for a lot of people in the mainstream, they don't really get it. They don't understand why we've gone down this rabbit hole, why we are chasing this conspiracy theory that we call unidentified aerial phenomena or what us dinosaurs call UFOs. You know, why do you, what do you think the addiction is to this story? Um, well, I think for me, it's like uh, I've always really liked history. And then also it just has like the like nature of reality angle to it of like, like literally, what is this? Like what? Um, so I think for me, that's what it is. Just like kind of understanding like nature of reality and like maybe if we understand that, we'll get some of the other questions. Like, is there a God? What happens when we die? Not banking on it, but um, who knows where it, where it'll all lead, right? But uh, yeah, just and, and and I think a lot of us could probably relate to where it's like we're the weird ones, but it's like we feel like everyone else. It's kind of weird that you're not that our government's saying this stuff and people are just kind of casual so i don't know like we're weird to them they're weird to us everyone's weird to each other 
when you got into this in 2017, Red Panda, you were, you know, brand new to it. You were fascinated by it. You wanted to uh, learn more. So you jumped in two feet into the UFO pool, which I think is fantastic. And, and a number of people did. But the one thing that I noticed about you is you really took a, a, an, a keen interest on everything from before 2004 as well. And we're going to get into that heavily when we take a look at your YouTube channel later on in the show. Did you ever think that ufology would be this kind of passion for you, that you would be, you know, right in the midst of of everything? You've built a great reputation on social media and online with your YouTube channel, uh, with, with your thoughts and everything. Did you think it would take off the way it did? Um, I, I felt like the channel I make and kind of like, uh, it's redacted and like that, those kinds of channels, I feel like there wasn't that many of them. So I felt like maybe it would be welcomed, but I just, I still feel like there's a lot of growing to do and stuff. What do you, a lot of like, sorry about cutting you off there, but what do you think new mainstream ufology is missing? Um, Maybe more like, uh, and there are civilian scientist groups, but um, maybe just more like support amongst this, the community for them. And I'm kind of fake, right? I, I don't even think I've donated to any of them, so I should. Uh, like I know SEU's doing like some pretty interesting things, and they're kind of like more low-key with their stuff and their like um, fundraising, I guess. So I feel like that, or just like there's a lot of us, right, who just feel compelled to be obsessed with this stuff and like, just think of like what's a what's a way you could use that time to like help, you know? I don't know. For for a bunch of people it could be something different. For me, it like helps me like just chill out to just make the videos and like to make sense of it too. And cuz it also helps me like cuz when I went to go talk to people, like people there's so much you have to tell them and it's a lot more uh stimulating if they have like if they have the video of Heineck and then the document and then you know as opposed to just like telling them like a 10-minute rant. What do you what do you find has been the hardest part about learning about ufology over the last four years, five years? Um, probably just like yeah, because like it's not like any other subject, right? Where because originally I'd wanted to do a Cold War history channel before the twenty seventeen thing broke, and I was like saving up for a, a computer to do that because I really like history, and it's like that. It's like if I would have done that. It's like kind of like a lot more established and stuff like that. And although there's a lot of like disinfo in that field, it's like this one, it's like there's so much and like we're still not even dealing with like an official like total acknowledgement, you know, so it's like so uh it's like such a gray area, but it makes it fun. And I feel like it kind of gives me like a little bit of like a wiggle room, like to mess up, I guess. I don't know, maybe, but <laughs> But you're enjoying it. I do. I enjoy it a lot. I feel I feel very fortunate to be able to do like what I do and like uh, Tupa and like all of us that make these kinds of uh, documentaries and even the people who are doing like podcasts and stuff like that, like what a fortunate time we are to be alive in and like, you know, like, and uh, it goes back to kind of what you're saying too, of um, like uh, the, the, the people before us, you know, like Stanton Friedman and um, James McDonald and stuff like that. Like they didn't have the ease of just being able to like sit at home and just Google all this stuff and like have a program that can edit it all together really quickly. So you know, like when you think of like the things James Fox had to do to make his documentaries in like 2004 and whatever, or just, I just feel very fortunate to live when I do. 
I, I got a question for you about that because you mentioned Stanton Friedman and James Fox, uh, the late Stanton Friedman. Uh, I always laughed because when I first had interviewed him, here, here's a funny story for you of SOR okay. history. When I first interviewed Stanton Friedman, uh, we were doing a recording because that was the only thing he could do back then. And I literally, I literally uh, froze. And I've only ever froze on one other interview that I've ever done in my journalistic career, and that was Wayne Gretzky. And, oh. yeah, that one caught me off guard. But nonetheless, I said, Stanton... I, I think I would have done the same thing. I said, Stanton, I have to stop this for a second. And he goes, why? I said, I'm freezing. I'm a professional journalist, and here I am freezing up on you. I'm nervous. And... And I just finally said, just let me yell something out and I'll get it over with. He goes, okay. So I, I, I just cursed. I'm like, holy cow, but in a different word. I said, you're Stanton effing Freeman. Stanton effing Freeman. And and he just started, and in his gruff voice, he's like, he's laughing. Ah, ha, 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 well, Dave, you know, I'm an ordinary guy who puts on his pants one leg at a time. And that broke the ice right there with Stanton and and uh, God bless him. Seriously, God bless him. Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. So my question to you regarding regarding this is: so many of the younger guys and, and ladies in ufology have put that main focus on the 2004 USS Nimitz incident. You have done things a little bit differently, but why do you think this newer class of ufologists continues to focus? on the last 19 years rather than going back to the modern day start of ufology, which is Roswell. Explain this to me because a lot of us old timers and a lot of us, you know, people who are caught in the middle, like I am don't understand why so many of the new people to ufology refuse to go back in time. You're different. You have, but many haven't. Um, I think there are a good amount that do, but uh, for maybe the ones that don't, probably just because, like, the time period that this is all happening in, like, uh, like if this had been happening maybe 10 years earlier or something, you know, maybe some of the Roswell kids would have been alive and maybe they would have been on some of the, the, like, interview streams and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know, probably just because, like, you know, when you want to interview, you're interviewing people who are alive right now, so maybe that's just a big angle. But, you know, uh, like... Um, Graham will go on, uh, the guy who wrote the Foo Fighters book, like he'll go on uh, streams and like talk about history and stuff like that. So every now and then you'll, they'll get some good guests and uh, like history wise uh, to talk about that stuff. So I just think it's just like, yeah, the time period we live in. That, that I, you know what, I'll be honest with you. I never thought about that. I never thought that it's a social media thing with video and, and people to talk to and why go to all the, you know, go to all the dinosaurs in the past when you can talk to all the unicorns in the, that are at the present. And there's a lot of people saying a lot of interesting things, you know, so there's, there's plenty of uh, content to be made, I guess. So, okay. So let me ask you this. Why have you decided to be different? Well, I just like history to begin with. Like I said, I was going to make a just general Cold War history channel, kind of like very similar to what I do, I feel like. Uh, just like different little chapters or like uh, different characters, people within the Cold War. And um, kind of make it like like how I do it. Like, yeah, like because I don't like to like show my face during my videos, especially the documentary ones, because uh, I feel like it's more immersive. If like you don't, if you're not like cutting to me 
or like like a typical UFO format. You know, it'll be like show clip and then like cut to three different ufologists. Um, so and uh, uh, yeah, I just like history. So and there's so, there's so much there's so much here, right? And there's like there's I'm surprised at how many like clips I'm able to like find sometimes to like piece it all together. You know, to really make it feel like this this like time capsule. Honestly, is how it feels sometimes when I'm making them. It, like they take forever to make, so I'm spending like hours lists, like in this uh, in this zone of like looking at all this old stuff. You know, in that two years previous when I entered this field, before the 2017 article, it was very very difficult for anybody new in this field to really get to know or interview any of the what we call the big names in this field. You know, I mean, sure, Stanton Friedman, you know, he liked helping out the small newcomers. He liked educating people. You know, he was great. You know, but for a lot of these people, you know, they they really didn't want anything to do with us, us young guys coming in or, or us new people coming in. Did you find that at all with a lot of the older crowd? Because the way I look at it, I remember asking Danny Silva this same question, and and him and I talked about it both on air and off, that a lot of these people, they just really didn't want to give the newcomers an opportunity and a chance to learn via phone call or social media or whatever. And this younger generation that you're a part of really pushed the social media boundaries, especially on Twitter, uh, hashtag UFO Twitter, which is, you know, by all means, either the worst place in history or one of the top notches uh, of information in history for UFOs. You know, so I understood where the younger generation was really coming from uh, in regards to, okay, you're not really giving us an opportunity. You're not telling us anything new. You're not talking to anybody new. It's the same news, the same sources, the same everything. We're going to take this our way and blow up social media over it. I mean, did you have any of that happen yourself? Um, well, no, because mostly my content is like I'm not really like interviewing people or whatever. But there has been some times where like I maybe tried to reach out to people and they didn't get back to me. But I, I just figured they're probably getting hit up by so many people. And I can only imagine like the kind of people are getting hit up by, you know, because our community can be uh, pretty uh, intense at times. No. So they're, they're straight to the trash ban or something i'd imagine hmm. what's your thoughts on on the social media craze of ufos i mean you know in the last year we've seen these twitter spaces open up where people like another brilliant gentleman named tupacabra i i apologize i don't know his name especially for our radio audience but if you go on ufo hashtag ufo twitter and you start following it you'll see all these spaces of you know people chatting open up and one of the real leaders in that field is a gentleman named Tupacabra. Uh, yeah, he's great. He's I've done, known him for a while. He's awesome. He's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, with and I've hopped in on a couple of what he said too. But I mean, when you see what's happened on Twitter over the last five years and the way this new age of ufology is taken over with getting information and sharing information, how strong do you think that has been? to help push the UFO story into even going viral and 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 hitting it and, and being very, very strong-based where even the politicians are, are catching on. Yeah, I think, because, uh, like, I for sure don't know why, but I like to think about, like, why is this happening now? Like, is it really just Tom DeLong? Like, and part of the reason I think is because, like, what you're saying is, like, um, 
uh, my theory is like when we all got phones, right? Um, like, like a, a smartphone. If you went back a hundred years ago, and there was only one person with like the capabilities of a smartphone, like being able to like broadcast your voice to every human on Earth, or like being able to draw the information and knowledge of like all humanity, like that, like that would be a superpower. And in like 2011, 2012, 2008 ish, I feel like a lot of the Western world just got phones, smartphones overnight, and a lot of aspects of society changed. So maybe the gatekeepers of ufology thought like, okay, well, we were already having like cracks this entire way of this cover up. Like, look at how look at how everything's changing. Uh, it's going to be a lot harder with this. So maybe we just have to do it now. So maybe, but also like a speculation, right? I well, I think it's been great. I mean, it keeps you on your toes because the one thing that has been very productive that I have noticed through this all is how quickly. UFO Twitter and the the modern age of ufology has really pushed social media to bringing it into an up-to-date news service. I think that's been great. I mean, you know, we used to struggle yeah. to get UFO news, and now we don't have to. Yeah, no, I'm so fortunate. Like, imagine if they had Twitter in, like, the 50s or in 66 when there was that congressional push. Like, who knows how it might have been different. So for you, uh, as we got about three and a half minutes before we have to go to break here at the bottom of the hour, how often are you studying UFOs and what angle are you studying them on? So basically I'm like reading about this stuff, like in between my free time, like all the time, like I'm obsessed with it. It's Loki probably unhealthy. So it's good that I have this outlet of like spending time making the videos. Um, but yeah, I sp- I'm just like, like, like I said, I've been, it's been five years and I feel like I've been reading about this stuff low-key every day, and there's still new stuff to learn every other day, like new people to talk to, new rabbit holes. This person worked where, what? Like in different countries, you know? So, yeah, I'm just always... And then um, when I'm researching too, it kind of... Like sometimes it'll suck because like I'll be re- researching for like my current video, but like while researching, I'll like I'll be like, okay, tonight I'm just going to research for like five hours on this video, but then I'll spend like four hours like just organizing stuff that I find for like other videos or like other stuff, you know what I mean? So just... Just takes a long time, right? And and once again, your YouTube channel is called Red Panda Koala. It's got a picture of you in a red panda koala hat. I absolutely love that. And how do you come up? FanDuel presents Sunday Victories. Four seconds to go in the first half. Snack assessment bleak. All salsa, no chips. As host to a room full of hungry fans, it's your duty to get to the store and back before the second half kicks off. So you throw on your running slash lawnmowing shoes and think back to the time you ran an eight-minute mile in high school. Your feet move with a weightlessness that you will certainly feel tomorrow. At the store, you grab seven bags of chips and silently thank the genius who invented self-checkout. Tap in your reserve, you run home and dive onto the couch. A clean 15 on the clock. You bet, and you won in the game of life, my friend. Now, if you want to bet on the game of football, try FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet and get up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Louisiana. Permitted Paris is only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. 
CPA doesn't have to stand for burnout. At Aronson, we're here to help you pursue the career you want. Discover the resources and programming of a major accounting firm with the flexible, personal culture of a small team. Find a work-life balance that works for you with benefits like unlimited PTO, fully remote options, and gender-neutral parental leave. To personalize your journey and work as flexible as you live, visit aronsonllc.com careers. Aronson, chart your course. With your, your topics that you're going to uh, dig into for your YouTube channel see so starting off it was like because yeah I, I had just gotten into it so and i was like <laughs> people are probably gonna laugh at this i'm like who's ttsa so i like did a little video about them and then my, my one of my second or third videos was about robert hastings because that was like one of the big uh he wrote the ufos and nukes book and that was one of the big things where i was like formulating my like what do i even think about all of this stuff where i was like oh this is a very interesting book and i think one that like you see people talk about all the time. People are like, what's up with UFOs and nukes? So it's something that I think would be like a, a good video to make. It's a video I wish I would have seen when I was searching, you know? So um, basically that. And then I I did my Tom DeLong videos because those that was another one where it's like on Reddit. You'd, you'd always see people like, what is Tom DeLong? Like, why is he even part of the story? Like, what does he believe? Like, da, da, da. So I did two videos of those. Um, and then, yeah, just like basically like, if I'm researching something and I find it very interesting or I think it's like would make a very like a it's interesting and it would like make a good narrative or there's a good um, like flow to it. or I could see like a good story kind of forming in there. Then I'll probably stick with that one. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's wonderful. I mean, you really take time to break down the history. It's almost like you're creating an online encyclopedia of events through your videos. W- would that be a, a, a correct statement? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's so fun. Right. And it's like, it's such a, it's like, I, I tell my friends, like, it's like, I'm being, I'm going to play with this like whole like cinematic universe where it's like, this person will be like at the tail end of this video, but like they have this whole other section in like this video. So it's very fun. To, like make it all. Oh, I, I, I think it's uh, I think it's great. We're going to go over some of the topics when we come back from the break. But how long does it take you to make one of these videos? I think the last two are like, I think the last one was like 500 hours. And the one before that was like 400 hours. Yeah, it's sad. People are always like, I wish you would post more. And it's like, if only you knew that I've been working since the, like the entire time since the last one. But uh, so, so you go a couple of months in between videos. Yeah, like it was two months between like the one I just posted six days ago and the one before it was two months. And I and I took a week off where I was like literally in Hawaii with my family. But then after that, I was just like, yeah, hit the road again, or, like hit the pavement um, grinding on this video. And although it's it, it gets easier and better, you know what I mean, as you go. And now that I'm like five years into this, it's like easier for me to draw on knowledge of like, oh, this like from other things, you know. Right. So I think it's, it's getting easier. Red Panda, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Red Panda Koala is his name, and he's got a great YouTube channel, literally starting an encyclopedia of videos and events from around the world regarding UFOs. I absolutely love this channel. I'm subscribed. You need to subscribe, too. We'll be back with some UFO history when we return on Spaced Out Radio. We will take questions for Red Panda after the next half hour. And um, 
yeah, we will uh, go from there. So um, right now our audience can hear us. So um, yeah, cool. Yeah. I've been hearing for that. Yeah, it's all good, man. It's all good. Cool, cool. Doing great so far, man. Doing great. Oh yeah, I feel like it's flowing well. Yeah, that's the thing too. It's like sometimes I'll get nervous, but then it's like usually with UFO people, you you're. <laughs> You're going to be like talking. You're going to have not enough time for all the stuff you want to talk about. So, Oh, there's never enough time. There, there's never enough time. Yeah. So that's what totally sucks about this entire uh, show sometimes is that there isn't enough time at times. Yeah. You know, but uh, no, I, it, it, it's so much fun. It really is so much fun. And uh, it, it isn't it. I think it's a great community, to be honest. There's a lot of like crazy off the wall stuff that honestly is kind of hilarious. Uh, but overall it's like a really, like I feel like the people you meet in this community, like know so much about like other tangential topics and stuff like that. And then like really smart people. I've met some really smart people in this community. So it's, it's been awesome. Oh, I agree, man. I agree. I, you know, and that's why I like going to the conferences, you know, just to hang out and, and meet people, shake hands and, and say hello to, uh, you know, a lot of people who you only get to talk to on the phone, or if you're lucky, you know, via video conferencing or something like that, you know, but it's, it's so much fun. Hey dude, I'm going to be, uh, just right back here. I gotta, I've already gone through my glass of water today. So, oh, you know what? I'm going to do that too, actually. Okay. Cool. I'll be right back. Audience don't go anywhere. I'm just going to refill my bo- my glass here. My computer was wonky. I apologize. Where'd you go, dirty filth? My computer went all wonky on me. Well, first it was the internet, then it was the computer. I think it was uh, Blob. Actually, it can't be Blob. It's impossible. She's laying on the bed. Mm-hmm. Ben Man, how's it going? And who else has jumped in here? Laura Sosa. Hi. And who else have we got? It's always nice when Enzo and his hair show up. Always nice. I hope Enzo comes back to Vegas next year so I can say hi to him again. Oh, yeah. I bet you when he does come back, he'll have like a new collection of Hawaiian shirts just for us. 
Hi, Ozzy Mandias. Welcome to SOR Chat. Rain, how are you? Uh, Enzo says, I plan to be in Vegas. May 19th through 21st, 2023. Even Kira is going to come. By the way, Kira, I am starting my fitness program this weekend. I signed up for my gym membership. I've got new health pills that I need to take, some uh, multivitamins and all that kind of stuff. I know you were a concern, so I'm figuring uh, I'll just let you all know. Cutting my hair tomorrow. It's going to be a whole new look. i got to make some changes because old Davey is not doing well physically right now. Not the point that I'm going to drop dead or anything. It's not that. No, far from that, but just time to get healthier. That's what it is. Time to get healthier. All right, big thank you to T2E, Catfish, and Apollo for the awesome super chats. Very much appreciate the love and support. Thank you all for the thumbs up so far. And if you don't mind, after the show, um, uh, giving us a comment, we'd appreciate it. Here we go with the second half hour. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. We really do appreciate it. want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Red Panda Koala. Yep, he's wearing the hat of one. Looks good, feels good. And he has a great YouTube channel that is really breaking down the history of ufology going back in time which is absolutely fantastic because what he's doing is on his Red Panda Koala channel, which I highly suggest you subscribe to, I'm subscribed, I think you should be too, is he's taking topics that people who are new to ufology may not know and putting them in a little bit of a mini documentary for you to grab it, like an encyclopedia. And Red Panda, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate you, man. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm having fun. Excellent. All right, let's let's head off to your channel here for a couple of seconds here because you don't have a lot of videos up, but the quality of your videos and the information in your videos is absolutely incredible when it comes to the story of ufology. You try not to get too political. You try not to get too uh, personally involved. Why have you gone down those roads when it's so easy to slip into? Mm. Well, one, because I, like, don't really know, like, what it is, you know what I mean? So, like, I'm trying to formulate my own picture of what it is, or, like, the phenomena or whatever. Uh, so, like, yeah, I don't want to be, like, I know exactly what this is. Um, and then, yeah, I guess that's that's basically it. Like, it's just best to just be, like, this is what this person said. This is what they quoted. This is the document. Uh, 
here you go. Like, I don't know. Uh, and yeah, I try, I try and make, um, like a documentary, like for the people who are like already at like base level, like may, may, might've seen the phenomenon already. And like James Fox's documentaries for people who want a little bit more, I try and make it like somewhere like in between actually reading a book and then like the documentaries that are geared towards like general population. Okay, so you make the the one thing that I like about them is they're not complicated. The editing and the process may be complicated, but for the viewer, <laughs> it's not a hard thing to to really follow along to. And I and I give you credit for that because so many UFO documentaries or programs they they leave a lot that isn't being said out. You know what I'm saying? Yet you have really tried to hit the nail on the head here. Out of your 23 or so videos that you have done over the last three years, do you have a favorite? Mm, okay, let's see. Uh, I have a few. One of them for sure is the Edgar Mitchell video I did. That one was like a lot of fun to make and just learn about his life. He was just like had such an amazing life. I say he's like the Forrest Gump of UFOs. He's like the main character of this world that we all live on. Uh, for the viewers, he uh, let's see, he... Um, was born in uh, where is he born? He was born in Texas, actually. But the Dust Bowl made his family move to Roswell, New Mexico, and he was like I think fifteen or sixteen when the crash happened. He didn't. He said he remembers hearing it on the radio, but he didn't like. He was going to go with his friend to ride his bike to the crash site the next day, but then after that, they had already said uh, the weather balloon um, cover story. So that's already like boom check more checkpoint one. And then he was in the Korean War. He didn't see any Foo, uh, Foo Fighters there or UFOs, but. He talked to people who did, so it's like kind of this uh, UFO connection already going back then. And then he was a part of NASA and part of the Apollo program. And then, yeah, like I was saying, like I was able to just like play with all this like Apollo footage, and like he was a test pilot too, so like play with all this test pilot footage. And he was just like a cool, like mellow dude. Like he was so like, and like I was saying, like these take forever to make. So I do feel like when I'm like making them, like I really get to know like whoever it's about, you know. So, oh, and then I guess just to finish the whole Edgar Mitchell story, he went to. He was in Apollo 14. He was originally supposed to be in Apollo 13 with um, Gordon Cooper, the other like UFO astronaut who I'm going to make a video about one day. Um, and then so but he helped. Uh, so he was moved to Apollo 14, but he was in the like um, simulator for the Apollo 13 disaster. So he like helped save Apollo 13. So it's like another check mark, like Forrest Gump. Uh, and then what else did he do? Oh, and then after NASA. Oh, one really interesting thing that I found out there that I don't really hear people talk about a lot is that he said uh, that Werner von Braun told him that he was called in to investigate the Roswell crash. So I always thought that was, like, really interesting. Um, that von Braun uh, so I included was. that. Hmm? That von Braun was. Yeah. Uh, he's... Uh, uh, I'll, I'll see if I could... Uh, I think it was, like, towards, like, the second third of the video. But, um, yeah, it was basically right around the time when he was leaving NASA... And then because you have to think, too, Von Braun was kind of into some, like, uh, woo-woo stuff because I don't know if you've seen those photos of, like, him visiting SRI and Yuri Geller and stuff like that. So, um, and and then it is interesting, right, because then you have the other side of Von Braun in the lore, which is, like, he's like, oh, it's all fake alien invasion, which I don't know if I put as much credence in that as I do in the other uh, version. Also, when you consider um, Herman Oberth, his uh, Von Braun's mentor, uh, he was fairly vocal about UFOs in the 50s. Um, so there's that. And then also Edgar Mitchell was like really into like psychic woo stuff. And like, I don't say it was a bad thing. I think it's just like, so there's, so there's woo things to reality. Um, so he, you learn, like I was learning about so much stuff. Oh, and then like, uh, when he was a kid, like he used to walk past the uh, house of Robert Goddard every day. 
to go to school. And he, uh, Robert Goddard is basically like the, one of the American pioneers of rocketry. Although like uh, the Germans and arguably the Soviets were a little more ahead of us just because the American culture wasn't into rockets at the time. We were still hyped on uh, airplanes, but it's just like, it's just, it was just like amazing to just like read this stuff and and realize like this kid, like he's literally like a fourth grader or fifth grader walking past this guy's house who they called the, um, a crazy old rocket scientist. And like little would he know that like in like what, 30, 40 years, he'd be using that guy's technology to get to the moon, which like at that time was like, like unimaginable you know so yeah he just had an amazing life and he was just a gentle soul like i i that's one where it's like i wish i could have met him i feel i felt sad that i that i wasn't able to meet him because i feel like he would have totally been down too because he was like i feel like a stanton where he would just kind of he was down to be down you know he was down to help out whoever kind of that's the vibe i got at least the idea that there are so many brilliant minds that have looked into this subject you know are you surprised we haven't actually over time seen more or learn more than what we're supposed to know um maybe but i do think they did a really good job of like the cover-up and like for fermenting the stigma in society which is what my past two recent videos have kind of been about um so i think and especially just like the flow of information, right? Like before the internet, like how would you have gotten information? You'd have to go to bookstores and read books. And a lot of people don't really do that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But I think I'd like, like I said, I don't know, maybe call me a hopeful optimist, but I think that's like why we're seeing a lot of the stuff we're seeing now. And I, I mean, just think about like, I just feel like a lot of people know, know a, more about a lot more things now. Like, like Epstein kind of thing. Like not even like to get, but you know what I mean? Like that was a part of society for a while, but now I feel like cause the internet and like everyone kind of knows about it. So I feel like this is just kind of another one of those things. You recently did a video on project blue book, the UFO propaganda wing, which is the title you released it, you know, six days ago, you've almost had 5,500 people view it already in regards to it. Tell us about this video or before you tell us about this video, how do you pick your topics on where you want to extend the encyclopedia of knowledge? Yeah, so that one, uh, maybe if we walk through it, it kind of shows, because that one I had originally, like, kind of been working on since January, kind of in the background. I kind of got, like, a few that I'm like, okay, this is going to be, like, the next one or, like, the next two ones. I'm just kind of collecting. And for that one, I wanted to really have a collection of all the different times that the Air Force, the documented times that the Air Force influenced media to sway public opinion. Because, like, it'll come up, like, at the end of, like, if you're if somebody's covering, like, the Leveland flap or if it's covering uh, the Michigan flap, but, like, it's never... Uh, I haven't seen one. I'm sure there's probably one out there, but I wanted to do one where it was just like example after example after example after example of strictly like them influencing media. So I I would want originally it was it was going to be kind of the format of um, so in the current video that we're talking about Project Blue Book, some of the things I talk about are the censorship of Donald Kehoe on the Armstrong Circle Theater. Uh, I talk about um, what else is there? Oh, I, and then I talk about like some of the. Um, the PSAs that they made during like the fifties and sixties of like Heineck and stuff like that. Like how to identify a star, like uh kind of thing. And then I talk, uh, and then like after the Michigan wave in 1966, uh, they teamed up with CBS and made the CBS documentary, uh, UFO friend, foe or fantasy. So I just like covered that too. And then it's actually funny. Cause like, I was like, okay, I'm going to make that one. But then I was like, Oh, I kind of have to go back a bit. So the one before that, if you look how the CIA and air force created the UFO stigma, I was like, oh, I should go back. But then even then, I was like, okay, like even before like the TV era, 
even in the project sign and project grudge days, they were influencing like magazines here and there to foment the stigma, like calling people crazy and calling people kooks and stuff like that. But I I think, and the reason I like really want to do that, because I think that's an important uh, aspect of like history for people to understand. Just, I think it's almost as important as studying like things like the Tic Tac video or like events like that is studying like the active like ways that our government historically has like suppressed this knowledge. Cause like if people don't get that, like it doesn't really click for them. I feel like, like they go hand in hand. Right. And I can understand that, but when you choose your topic, are you sensitive to any side or are you just presenting information? I feel like I'm just presenting information. Although sometimes like, like, yeah, like I'm a UFO nerd. Right. So like I try and be, you know what I mean? Like, and I think I am for like, yeah, everything I, I try and source my stuff and I'm, this is what this person said, but I just think it's because, like, when you look at it all, it leads to, like, there's something going on here, so. Okay, so when you choose a topic, are, are you being, I'm guessing at this time of your success on YouTube now, that you got people saying, hey, would you do a topic on, you know, the the potential Eisenhower meeting aliens type of story? Do you have a lot of people recommending topics for you now? Um, actually, no, not really. And see, like one like that, I don't even know. I don't think I would do that one because I think there's not enough for that. Maybe I would do it as like a, maybe if I did like a 10 things you hear about a lot that aren't as well documented as some of the other things. Um, but, uh, I think a, a good example to kind of talk about too, of like when I get into the gray area, gray area, I have a video on, uh, Ninel Kulagina, which was this, uh, Soviet housewife who basically allegedly had, um, telekinetic powers and she was actually studied like this is confirmed she was studied by multiple soviet universities and she was kind of like an impetus for the whole like uh mk ultra project stargate like kind of like size stuff although like obviously there's the korean war like um prisoners of war too that affected that but uh i kind of wanted to like because like i think that history is also very interesting and even for that one it's like FanDuel presents sunday victories Four seconds to go in the first half. Snack assessment? Bleak. All salsa, no chips. As host to a room full of hungry fans, it's your duty to get to the store and back before the second half kicks off. So you throw on your running slash lawnmowing shoes and think back to the time you ran an eight-minute mile in high school. Your feet move with a weightlessness that you will certainly feel tomorrow. At the store, you grab seven bags of chips and silently thank the genius who invented self-checkout. Tap in your reserve, you run home and dive onto the couch. A clean 15 on the clock. You bet, and you won in the game of life, my friend. Now, if you want to bet on the game of football, try FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet and get up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Louisiana. Permitted Paris is only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Adobe, Pepsi, and Home Depot, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. Listen to this insight from Stanley Druckenmiller, the greatest investor of all time. If you love what you do, First of all, your work ethic is going to be fantastic. You're just going to be better at something if you enjoy it than if you don't enjoy it. And this from Brian Cornell, the CEO of Target. I think you've got to balance short-term with long-term. 
And you've got to have a conviction that the things you're doing, your investments, your strategy, over time, you're making the right investments and right decisions for your brand and your business. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. This is all alleged. She claims it was real. The people who started it claimed it was real. And I'm also, but I'm also like, it could also be disinfo. You know what I mean? So I try and just, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell anyone what to think, but I just try to make videos of what I find interesting and just collecting all the information and just whatever, however you feel about it. I'm happy. Like, uh, like I'm happy if a skeptic and a true believer looks at my video and they both feel like, like oh, that was fair. And that actually happened with the Edgar Mitchell one. Um, James Oberg, are you familiar with him? Yes. Yes. And it's funny because uh, I always see him researching all the time, like on random threads, all, like from like 2004, from like 1998, you'll see like James Oberg, like beefing with someone. But for the Edgar Mitchell video, he was like, oh, this was fair. Like, you know what I mean? Because Edgar Mitchell is pretty woo. He's like supported Yuri Geller and stuff like that. And in the video, I say like, I'm not telling you to support Yuri Geller. I'm not saying I support Yuri Geller, but he was here for this history. So we're going to hear what they had to say and what they said about that time period. That that's incredible. You know, let's go back to your project blue book one, the UFO mm-hmm. propaganda wing. How did you uh, put this one together? So, Oh, and also shouts out to Tupo on that one. So I don't know if people noticed, but I had my first little animated uh, graph in there. So that was pretty cool. Because uh, the first part of the video... So so uh, just to kind of get into it too, is uh, this is like part two of a series. So the previous one ends with like the Robertson panel, which I'm sure a lot of people know, but just in case. You know, the Robertson panel was in 1953 after the 1952 wave over DC. And that's when um, basically the CIA was like, okay, no, this is like too much. We need to rail this, rein this all in. And... Um, they basically, and it, it's probably like one of the most important documents for people to read because in that document, they basically lay, lay out that their reasoning was that it could clog phone lines, that the Soviet Union could clog flow, phone lines, and so that the public's interest in UFOs needed to be quelled because it was a national security threat. So, and, the, and that national security threat is what they used as a justification to like censor Kehoe or to censor scripts, to change scripts in the 1950s for like scripted television shows, which they did. Um, so, yeah, and then so. The first one ends with the Robertson panel, and this one picks up right like right after the Robertson panel. And I show there's a graph in there that shows like New York Times coverage on UFO stories uh, before and after the Robertson panel. And before the Robertson panel, they would cover stories that were because um, from the beginning the Air Force was like downplaying things, but uh, and they were influ- they were influencing media here and there. And like for like Roswell, they kind of had a lot of influence on that. But it wasn't really until after the Robertson panel that you really see them influencing media. Ooh, sorry. And I basically just show that in the graph. Cause like before the Robertson panel each year, they would have more positive UFO, sto- UFO news stories than negative. And by that, I mean uh, a positive, and I say this in the video, but a positive UFO story is one where uh, the witness is just like um, quoted and not like ridiculed. And then an, a negative one is where there's either that ridicule or the air force's official stance of like, there's nothing in UFOs. This is just a balloon, like blah, blah, blah. So before the Robertson panel, they would cover more positive than negative in a given year. And then after, they never did that again. And after, and something I talk about too is um, they, that's after the Robertson panel is when you start seeing stories in the news, New York Times about the Avro car, which was the experimental uh, air vehicle. You might have seen the, the old footage of where they're, uh, it's like, it looks like a, like a disc, right? But it goes like three feet off the ground and has a max speed of, I think, 30 miles per hour. So 
uh, and in, in the previous one, I talked about how like that was intentionally pretty much introduced to the media as like, oh, if you're, these things you're calling UFOs, it's actually our testing of this vehicle that can perform in no way like the UFOs do. But uh, and that's why I'm like super grateful for Tupa for making that graph, because when you see the graph, like it really shows it like pretty clearly, like uh, the news coverage of UFO stories goes down after the Robinson panel. You see more negative UFO stories than positive. And then after the Robinson panel, you start seeing more po- stories in the New York Times about the Abercar and also about uh, George Adamski. So, and, uh, and then it's also, that's complemented by the 1966 documentary, which mind you is like 13 years later. And it's like, uh, Jay Allen Hynek said that, uh, Hector Quintanilla, the, for, or the last head of project blue book edited the script. This one, um, scientist named Thornton page, who was part of the CIA's Robertson panel worked on the script as well. And the CBS dire- uh, director for that documentary said that the air force was all over that script. So you have to think like, and it, it's clear for me, like editing videos, like there's a million things you could put into a video. And then so by seeing what they wanted you to see, like you could tell like what they wanted. So even in 1966, that documentary features the Avro car and it features a big section on contactees and it doesn't feature any like um, pilot testimony. So it just kind of shows like how this, how this all happened. And, you know, if you look at the way it happened in Project Blue Book with the negativity and the spin on UFOs, it really seems like at times history is repeating itself here in 2022 regarding this subject as well. What's your thoughts? Yeah, and especially the one I was making right now. Um, and, you know, uh, Elizondo is a controversial person, right? But it's like I see a lot of similarities to the way Rupelt was treated. Uh, after he came out and uh, was like, I was part of Project Blue Book, like da da da. He was like ridiculed in the media anytime he was mentioned in the media. Like uh, these people at the New York Times like talk mad shit on him or stuff on him. And then, um, <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, and I don't know. People people like to hate Elizondo, which I really don't get. Like, sure, maybe there's some gray areas about the uh, the whole history and the timeline, but like. I feel because I spend so much time in the past researching this stuff and I'm like, so I'm so aware like of the, like the efforts that thousands of people have put to like try and get like congressional hearings or like some of the laws that are being worked on right now to happen is, um, it's just like, it's just, I just like, I just appreciate it. I just know that like Repelt would have loved what is happening right now or like Kia would have loved what's happening right now. Like they would have just, they deserve to live through it way more than any of us do who are complaining all day. So I don't know. Even Jay Allen Hynek would be, you know, dude, like they all would have, they all, and even the video before those two, I, I, it was really cool. It was my first like interview video where I interviewed, um, Mike Jameson and Ed Comerick, who in the nineties, they led this, uh, political action movement called operation right to know. And they marched on like Washington and stuff like that. So it's like, it was just like, I've just been like the past three videos. I've just been seeped in like, people trying to get this stuff in front of Congress and like more or less failing. So I just have a lot of uh, respect for what they were been able to do. Why do you think so? And like the whole stigma thing, it's like, you have, you have congressmen and people at the, in the military saying we need to get rid of this stigma that for decades has like ruined lives. So that's not a small uh, thing to me. Well, that, that is actually leading to my next question as we, we have about, let me just check here. We have about uh, three and a half minutes before we have to go to break at the top of the hour. Red Panda Koala is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. I mean, when you look at how many people have 
pushed and failed the government regarding UFOs over the decades. Why do you think this time around there seems to be real momentum regarding this subject in Washington, D.C.? I think it's the phones. I think it's just the, the access to information and to each other that we have now that wasn't present in the 90s or 60s or 50s. But but who knows, right? Who, who knows? That's it. Just the phone. Maybe that, but I, I don't... Well, yeah, because, I mean, that's the that's a, that's what gives... It's the access, the connection. Like, that's how Timbershed's able to get, like, gassed up because he knows, like, all these people on Twitter, like, love him talking about UFOs or, you know, stuff like that. Do you think, though, that maybe today's politicians are more in touch with society because of what social media has brought to the table over the last 15 years comparatively to when, you know, if the Canadian government works like this, man, where if we don't if we're not talking about it, it doesn't have to uh, it, it hasn't happened. We don't need to bring it up. You know what I'm saying? And I find that much the same with ufology. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm constantly like, a, and what do you think? Like between the whole, like, is it an internal like civil war with like Elizondo and co, or is it like all totally planned rollout? I'm always on the fence of that too. So like, I really don't know, but it's just fun to speculate. For me, I would say that I, how can I put this? I'm on team Elizondo. I think he he really has an understanding of what's going on with the phenomena that more people need to pay attention to. However, it just seems like for every great thing this dude does, there's something, in my opinion, that pushes him back. And the latest one would be, you know, here he is talking about openness and transparency, about you unidentified aerial phenomena, and we got to bring it out, disclosure this, disclosure that. Then you find out on the other side of his mouth, he's working for Space Force as a researcher into UFOs. And he's not going to break those NDAs. He's not going to um, he's not going to bring out information from them to the public. So at one end, he's talking out of one side of his mouth. The other end, he's talking out of the other. And that's a lot of stress. That's, a, that's not healthy. And... It, I don't think it's good for the UFO public where we're getting so close, yet we're so far away still. Maybe. I, w- I would still argue that they were pretty close, like closer than ever. And I'll also say like it could totally all just fade away and like it could this will just be another time when it got close. But um, I don't know. I just think because he's just, <laughs> if anything, it's like I feel bad for him because it's like, I feel like because he was so open with the community and stuff like that, like he just basically like painted a target on him for like everything he does uh, is just put under a giant microscope. Oh, um, I, I agree with you. I agree with you there. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. And that's yeah. what he's doing. But hey, and we know he's an NDA person, so yeah. And then it's also kind of interesting. It's like for the people who hate Elizondo and say he's fake, like doesn't the like space force thing kind of like isn't that kind of significant? Like I don't know. Right. We'll get to more. Wherever this topic will be, we'll take some audience questions as well when we round into Spaced Out Radio's hour number two with Red Panda Koala. Make sure you go onto YouTube, type in Red Panda Koala, hit that subscribe button on his channel. You will love his videos. Hour two is next.
All right, dude, we're clear. Going to turn things cool. over to Filth. We got about five and a half minutes, uh, and I'm going to disappear here. If you want to hang out with Filth, you're more than welcome, or you can take a break. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be back in uh, five minutes. All right, Dirty, it's all yours, man. All yours. Great. Well then, let's go to the okay, right back. click on that sucker there. Okay, he will be right back. All right. Anyways, it's a continuation from last night. In case anybody doesn't remember, oh, I've lost it already. Oh, there it is. This was the cartoon from last night. So basically, they're just telling us there may be some strange phenomena out there, but we promise we're not gray aliens dressed up in goofy disguises pretend to be government officials. And that's kind of where we're going right now. So, congratulations. You guys are in on the secret. Colors there. Is this government official? That's not a gray alien. He's wearing some brown shoes. That's what they were yesterday. I think it's a purple shirt. But the man in black is nowhere to be seen and he's being cornered. Soggy. Do I make prints? Toby AM. You can go to filthy.com and I got prints there. There's a link on there. You can click on it. It's prints of everything. You can buy cartoons from like a million years ago. This will these. I got a whole. I got about a month's worth of stuff behind schedule because. My web witch is moving to a different location on planet Earth. So I don't do but that's yeah, I don't I don't do all the scanning stuff. I don't know that. I just do anyways I'm rambling away here. I just do the cartoons and I scan them and one of my best pals in the entire universe takes care of it for me and I'll always be in debt to my pal. So anyways, yes, answers your question. Eventually this will be, you'll be able to get a print. I'm probably going to ship it off to Red Panda Guy because it kind of is a drawing of him. I've been known to do that, ship drawings all over the place. I got drawings in South Korea and Australia. Australia? I don't know how to say it. I apologize. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I'm rambling away here. Look at me go. That's what happens. Dave just leaves me here. 
And I got no cats bothering me. I'm not being pinned down by a blob or whiskey's not pestering me. It's a good night. Well, the only bad thing is, is I like, do it a million times a year. I cut my dome shaving. I, oh, I just... Terrible. I'm still upset with myself about that, but... Internal thoughts spoken out loud by Dirty Filth. Alright, he just got this floor all done here. <clears throat> well, I hope everybody has a good rest of the night. This drawing's going to be done pretty quick here, because I'm just that good. And... We'll see the see the whole thing. I'm just missing. I got I got one co two colors that I need to get. I gotta wait for that. Hey, red panda, sir. What are your two favorite colors? Uh, I like red, and then I like hmm, maybe blue. What are you? Green and purple. Okay. Cool. Oh, you're getting dirty tonight. I just needed to know. You're getting. Dirty. I'm sorry, Doug. Had I rub you the wrong way? In chat. Hi, D Swagger. If he's getting a free, anyways, I'm gonna. I'll just go back on mute. No, you. Uh, We're just chilling. And, oh, okay, I was. Uh, the Doug Shelby. The Doug Shelby. Have another Snickers bar. What's up, cockroach? Cockroach. All right, we have about 26 seconds before we're going to launch. Thank you, T2E, Catfish, and Apollo for the super chats. Very much appreciate the love. Uh, and uh, give us a thumbs up, thumbs down. We're almost at 100. We'd appreciate to crack that again tonight. And uh, here we go in about eight seconds, everybody. And we're going to have some fun here with Red Panda Koala. And get your questions in. Put them in capital letters. Here we go. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Panchestron. Oh, I said that totally wrong. Pancreston. Pancreston is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as a clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok 
at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. Red Panda Koala is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. He has a great YouTube channel breaking down the history of ufology across North America. He doesn't have that many videos out because it takes him months in order to complete one documentary. But, man, are they filled with information for newcomers like you or even veterans like me to look up and really take in what the videos and the information are all about. Red Panda, welcome back to Spaced Out Radio, my man. Glad to be back. All right, let's start off uh, with a question from Matthew here, who's asking, do you do this in your free time? Yeah, I do. And sometimes my normal job can get pretty intense. So it, like uh, like for this last video, I had my first experience of like YouTube burnout. I was like pretty miserable for a bit. But like I said, I'm obsessed with it, so it doesn't really bother me too much. What drives you on this? I just think that this is like information that like people are going to need soon. So like, it's like when, like, cause when that whole thing happened right in 2017 and I first got really into it, I was kind of like having like a little bit of like, not a mental breakdown, but just kind of like a, like ego death or I don't even know what to call it. Just like in my own head. Right. And like my family and friends like weren't into it at all. Um, and just like trying to process all this information. And like I'm saying, I'm not saying that, uh, like I need to be like, uh, like, what you see in my documentaries is law or anything. Like it should definitely be a starting point for people. But um, yeah, I, I, that drives me just because uh, I just remember how I felt when I was like first learning all this stuff and it was just like so overwhelming. You mentioned a good word there that it is overwhelming. There is a lot of information that is at stake here and a, and a lot of information that goes in a multitude of directions regarding the phenomena. What's it all about? What do we know? What don't we know? What can we speculate that we know? When you put together a documentary and you choose a topic that has any type of 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 different paths that you could go down, how do you try and keep it down the straight and narrow? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard sometimes even to... Del- FanDuel presents Sunday Victories. Four seconds to go in the first half. Snack assessment? Bleak. All salsa, no chips. As host to a room full of hungry fans, it's your duty to get to the store and back before the second half kicks off. So you throw on your running slash lawnmowing shoes and think back to the time you ran an eight-minute mile in high school. Your feet move with a weightlessness that you will certainly feel tomorrow. At the store, you grab seven bags of chips and silently thank the genius who invented self-checkout. Tap in your reserve, you run home and dive onto the couch. A clean 15 on the clock. You bet, and you won in the game of life, my friend. Now, if you want to bet on the game of football, try FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet and get up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Louisiana. Permitted pairs only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Have plans for the outdoors? Make the memories last with Orca coolers and drinkware. Orca coolers are built to be as strong as the adventures you take them on. That's why they have a lifetime warranty while giving you world-class temperature retention. Orca's premium drinkware offers the same high quality, keeping your drinks icy cold or hot for hours. Their tumblers and martini cup are perfect companions for your next outdoor adventure. Go to orcacoolers.com and use promo code 15 for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com, promo code 15. Like, keep it, because people are always like, your documentaries are so long. I'm like, oh, man, if you only knew how much stuff, like, I wanted to put in that I couldn't have, just because it would have been, like, a five-hour documentary. It's like, 
it's uh yeah sometimes it can be kind of hard like what to keep in what to not and then yeah if there's ever something i'm like totally unsure about it's like i'll just say it like i'm not sure about this this is what this person said uh like i'm i'm probably gonna make a wilson doc doc (laughs) soon and uh that one's gonna be a lot of that where it's like this is what this person's saying like do with this information what you want to do with it all right let's go to a question from george here red panda have you ever experienced anything paranormal Let's see. No, oh no, no, I haven't. But I wanted to say real quick too. Uh, I don't really listen to Coldplay that much. I forgot who asked that. Someone asked that. But, uh, yeah, that was Connor no, I haven't. Andrew, we don't. We don't. I win. do have one. Uh, there was a. I, I. It wasn't my paranormal experience, but it was really one from someone that I like respected. Because like, um, when I started making this channel and stuff, right? Like uh, a lot of people, and it's less now, but a lot of people in my personal life were like, "What the hell are you doing? Like with your life? Like you know what I mean? Like what?" So. Uh, we have like a family friend you could say who's like a really um respectful lady and she's like a she's older she was a lawyer in like the 70s like total like boss woman and like has a really nice house like on her own kind of vibe and like you know what i mean and so I, she was asking me like oh what am i uh what am i up to lately and i kind of like told her like uh coaching it like oh i'm doing this uh it's real like look at the it's being covered in the news at least <laughs> and um she basically told me like super seriously she was like oh no like uh, i've had an experience and i was like wait what like i was not expecting this i was expecting you to be like what are you doing and then she basically told me about when she was in college in the 60s she was driving with uh one of her female friends back to school and they saw like a i think i think she described it as like an egg shape and it went over their car and like their radio started going out and then they both had like a missing time experience oh wow and she's like i don't tell anyone about it because like no one would believe me but like yeah no i totally believe so those things are pretty interesting to me. Like I've never had my experience, but I'm consistently surprised by like when I tell people what I do and like, they'll tell me like a super straight face, like serious story. And I'm like, Whoa, like a lot of people kind of have experiences that you wouldn't expect. For sure. Let's go to Vidal here. What do you think the link is with consciousness? Have you looked into that? Kind of. And that, I don't even know. Like some people say what, like we're antennas. That's like a common thing you'll hear. But for that, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Some people say like, oh, you have to be like a certain level of psychic to, write, to pilot the craft. The whole consciousness thing. I feel like we don't even really know a lot about like consciousness. It's just like standard, like separate of UFO woo, you know, so uh, we'll see where that goes. But um, well, let's talk. Know. Let's talk about the woo for a second, because there is a, you know, there is a, a, a thick line that certain people do not want to cross. Okay, and that is the nuts and bolts from the woo. I'm more woo side, and I've I've always been woo side on on this entire phenomena and subject because of what's happened to me and what I've experienced personally. You know, where do you draw the line on that with with nuts and bolts versus woo? I would say I'm uh, fairly open to the woo, and. Um... I, so I did a three-part series on Kolaris, and that's, like, my favorite, like, not favorite, but, like, favorite in terms of just, like, there's a, a to just kind of, like, prove that something's going on here, because, one, it happened in Brazil, so it was in, in America. Two, it was um, over multiple months with, like, hundreds of witnesses, and these are ranging from farmers to police officers to police commissioners to priests and even mayors and um, city council members of various cities in the region. Um, and then after like a month of sightings, they called in the Brazilian military 
and the Brazilian military investigated it, expecting just to experience mass hysteria. And then they have documents um, about, basically, they had encounters too, and even with humanoids. And so basically, to get to the whole blue thing, is like those UFOs were like not like Tic Tacs, you know what I mean? They were like glowing orbs that were going through walls, or sometimes it would look like a, or a giant refrigerator floating or something like that. And it would it was giving people radiation burns and stuff like that. So that case to me, and then just finishing off why I like that case, um, the military came out and then they, they covered it up saying that it was a lighthouse offshore that was causing all the sightings. And then, so then it was a case closed, right? And then throughout the 80s and 90s, A.J. Gavayad, who is basically like the Stanton Friedman of uh, Brazil, but still alive, um, he started basically was delivered the documents of it, kind of, uh, of the whole program. It was called Operação Prato. And uh, he uh, he basically studied those, and he found Holanda, who was uh, Captain Holanda, who was the chief, like, of the team that was sent out for the military side, and he got his testimony. So that was, like, okay, kind of, like, adding some layers to the seriousness of it. Uh, unfortunately, Holanda committed suicide shortly after. Some people say he was murdered but for what it's worth, A.J. Gavard, who knew him well, believes he actually did commit suicide. But I don't, who knows? Um, and then in 2004, A.J. Gavard in Brazil led this whole political action movement called uh, Information Free- or Freedom, of, Freedom of Information Now. And basically got that case declassified, as well as the um, 88 uh, uh, Night of UFOs in Brazil. Interestingly, just sidebar. He, uh, they didn't get the Virginia stuff. And like uh, some of the top colonels said that we were looking for it. We couldn't find anything about it. So just because I know James Fox's documentary is coming out. I'm not saying like one way or no- another. Just an interesting, interesting data point. Um, but so then basically, yeah, in 2004, I believe it was, they declassified those the Colaris documents officially. And you can read those on the official like Brazilian National Archives. So those, those are like the main reasons why it's like my favorite case. Because it's like one, not in America. Two, hundreds of witnesses. Uh, three documents that were officially that were w- once leaked and then officially like acknowledged. And um, what what I like to say too is like if anyone in the uh, in the CIA or whatever is listening, just like that's an important thing to know. Like Brazil released those documents and like the world didn't go crazy, you know. So although you know who knows what documents that the U.S. is sitting on, but um, and yeah, and like we said, it has some woo. And to be fair, the only thing I've heard of um. Because that's like, it's like, okay, that's my holdout. Where it's like, because even the Nimitz, I'm fairly open to, like, I still think it's non-human, but I would be open to them saying, oh, no, we are able to develop this technology. But that one is one where it's like, I've yet to see a really good explanation for it. Some people say it was like the CIA doing like MK Ultra type stuff on like various Brazilian villages, which I mean, maybe, but I really doubt it based on some of the testimony like of what people were saying and like the actual radiation burns they were getting and those were documented and photographed and um, that and the, the, just the whole woo aspect. So potentially there, there might be a day where the, the CIA comes out and says we did it all and then I'd be like, okay, interesting. Uh, maybe it's not my favorite case. But as of now, it's like I've not seen anything that um, can explain it. I can see that, I, and I can appreciate that. Let's go to Chris Hernandez here, who has a question for you. In your opinion, Red Panda Koala, what do you think Tom DeLong was told that kept him up for nights? Um, so uh, when I think about this, I like to think that one, like uh, Tom was already like a pretty deep 
UFO nerd. Um, you can listen to some of his old coast to coast interviews, even before like he was getting involved with people like, like 2012. And like, he read a lot of books. He like knew a lot of stuff. And I think he knew a lot of like the darker stuff. And even if you like hear some of his theories. So I have to think like, okay, it's probably darker than like some of the base darkest things that are in UFO lore, which I would imagine being like human, human mutilation. So I was like, okay, maybe if it's a level beyond that, I think it might be something along the lines of like, they just walk among us. Maybe so something where he was like paranoid for three days of like it could be right here. Like, you know what I mean? Like that it, there's maybe some kind of angle to that. But who knows? I, I want to know. I think. uh Yeah, I think Kurt asked him before. Right. And he was like, uh, kind of like brushed it aside. But um, but who knows? And and uh, just for the record, too, like not Tom's Tom DeLong's word is not law. A lot of his theories like that you hear him say, like were said by other people in the past, but it is still. And an interesting data point for everyone to just kind of be aware of. Well, I think, and, uh, what, I, yeah, you, I think those are some of my most popular videos, the Tom DeLong ones. Sorry for interrupting you there, by the way. I think Tom DeLong, and this is a very passionate story of mine. Uh, I, I don't think that, that he knows as much as he thinks he does. A lot of his information came from Peter Lavenda, which is where Tom got his absolute fear of UFOs, that they are evil, that they are uh, nefarious, that they're going to come down and, and wipe out humanity. And that's why, you know, going back to the to the ill-fated Joe Rogan interview when he was talking about we need to put nuclear weapons up in space right now because they fear our nukes, and, and which is just a bunch of horse hockey, uh, if, if you... If I could say that, but nonetheless, I think uh, Tom DeLonge was a useful pawn in all of this. I do not believe for a second his story about setting up the To the Stars Academy. I think he was put there as I hate to I hate this term because I've heard people explain it to me uh, who've told me what they know and they they use the term useful idiot. Okay, and I I hate that term because I think it's I think it's rude. I think he's a smart guy. I'm not calling him a dummy whatsoever. However, I think what what happened was he got caught up and they played him because of his social media prowess, because of his music prowess and the riches he gained on that. I think they played him into believing that he set was the powerhouse mind setting up the To The Stars Academy, which coincidentally ends up having most of Robert Bigelow's staff on board. Right. And the, there's a connection to Bass, Bigelow mm-hmm. and Nids and many other things in, mm-hmm. involving SRI. SRI involving Tom DeLong. So the fact that he set this up and he chose the people and handpicked the people never bought it, never bought it whatsoever. And not to choose a single ufologist that he had been following, even even Peter Lavenda. Like, come on. Just didn't make sense. Where was Richard Dolan? Where was Stanton Friedman? You know? Yeah. Because Stanton Friedman. And to that, I think think it's the, like what you were saying, it's his celebrity and also his wealth, which I think a lot of people tend to forget. Like, when you're rich, like, society and, like, the world is just different for you. Doors open differently. Absolutely. Does he know a lot? Sure he does. Those people talk. Believe it or not, if you get into a group with them, they talk. They make you promise that you're not going to repeat the stories. But they do talk. And some of the stories that I have heard from people have been phenomenal. Will I ever repeat them? No, because I gave my word. 
and you can't do that. You can't break that. But Tom DeLonge, uh, it's easy to see why he is a pariah in this field. Unfortunately, it really is. What do you What do you mean by pariah? Like, a- well, I think he. I don't think that he is what people give him credit for. He's like a false demigod. Mm, maybe. I think he was an important uh, part in the whole thing, but yeah, I don't think he was like the entire thing, but uh, I think he was an important part in it. Well, and maybe he, he would even say like, useful idiot, like, sure, why not? But um, I think he, he like, yeah, he does think he like kind of knows a lot and he does, but he's, he's, like I said, he was a part of it. Like, and absolutely <laughs> it's going to get a lot of people mad. Like, but he, like, it's going to, that's how it is. Uh, it, it, hey, it's just the way it is. And, and you know what? You go by the information that you have received. I'll go by the information that I have received. And you know what? We can we can agree to disagree on that, and that's healthy. That's quite okay. You know, but one and like I'm not even disagreeing with the whole like he was used thing. It's just like sure, maybe he was like yeah, call that call it being used. But Congress is talking about UFOs for like the first time, and like well, since the 90s, but like really since the 60s. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think he just caught it on the right part. He really did yeah, catch it totally, on, the, totally, totally. on the right part. I, I will give him credit for that. Absolutely. You know, I mean, let's ask you here, though, you know, as we continue on with Red Panda Koala, we've got about five minutes to go before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour here. For you, as you have, have delved into a lot of these subjects, What's the most controversial subject you think you have taken on, or have you reached that point, that part yet? Uh, I think making a Trump video in this political climate was kind of like some people were just like super dramatic about that right off the bat. Uh, I guess Tom DeLonge is a controversy, you know what I mean? So a lot of people have a lot of emotions and feelings about those videos. Um, probably those two, yeah, Tom DeLonge and Trump. <laughs> So take us, you know, without getting, you know, too political here, because we're not a political show. What did you learn about Donald Trump and UFOs? So uh, I just kind of covered in the video, like his uncle was uh, very influential in the American development of radar in like World War II. And um, he was a personal advisor to General Spatz of the Army Air Force, whose name comes up in Roswell lore a lot. So I didn't find anything that was like, Donald Trump's uncle says UFOs are real, but it uh, was just like, that was interesting. And then also he was the one who was called upon by the government to look into Tesla's files. So it kind of shows a level of like, uh, and John Trump is his uncle. So I'll be referring to him as John Trump shows a level of like connectedness with John Trump and the government establishment and that they recognized him as one to go to, to try and understand Tesla. Who's like a, a brilliant man. Right. So with those, I was like, uh, there's like, at least just be aware of this. If I was a betting person, I would probably bet that cause he was so influential in the development of radar and he was like friends with Van Ivar Bush and he was like, uh, he went to MIT that they would have consulted him at least during the forties. And especially during like 52, uh, the, the UFO wave over DC where that was a very, uh, radar heavy, um, uh, wave flap, whatever you want to call it. So that was interesting. And then, oh, and then also it was interesting that he ended up being in a documentary with Stanton Friedman, who we've been talking about a lot tonight. And in that documentary, he was just talking about his uh, researching Tesla stuff. Uh, he didn't say anything about UFOs. But I did find that interesting that he was just like, I just didn't expect to see Trump's uncle like in the scene right before Stan Friedman in this documentary. 
Um, and then from there, I, I, I just go into some of the stuff that happened during Trump's presidency. Like, I don't know if people know this, but there was a guy who was, who went straight from Trump's, um, he was like the IT guy for the White House, but it, was, it wasn't it was IT guy. There was an official title for it. But he went from there to TTSA, which I thought was really interesting. And like, not a lot of people talk about that. And I don't even know if that guy's on TTSA anymore, but it was just like, hmm, interesting. And then just some of the stuff that, like, there was the, uh, yeah, just like a lot of the stuff happened during his presidency, right? So. And um, well, well, if you uh, talk, if you listen to Tom, they say it was like supposed to be with Hillary, right? But still, yeah, it happened under his. He had some interesting statements here and there. And the funny part about it is, and sorry again, sometimes when I get excited no, about topics, I overspeak here. It's one of my problems. I got to learn to use my mute button more. But uh, you know, one of the things that I always found interesting about his presidency was the fact that a lot of UFO topics came up more so than I think a lot of other presidents that ever have had to deal with this topic. And I mean, but do you think they were teasing the UFO public and and the public in general when, you know, you would see his son, you know, say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to talk to my dad about, about Roswell. Were there aliens? Do we have aliens? What's going on? And Trump would never really answer that, but at least the, the topic would come up for discussion. Did you ever think that, you know, that they were just serious about the topic of UFOs or if they were truly looking for answers, but, you know, maybe reading between the lines couldn't give the answers? Mm, The vibe I got, which I don't know for sure either way, is like he probably was not like totally like read in. Um, Like like imagine like because right, the whole TTSA crew was like basically like working alongside like Podesta and that whole Hillary Clinton like thing. So like, I feel like if Hillary had been the president, like the president's role in that whole thing would have been different, but uh, who knows? Question from Apollo here. So we got about a minute to go. What are your thoughts about there being a negative component to the phenomena? LA Marzulli thinks it's demonic. Lou Elizondo said some in the Pentagon think that. Um, And yeah, so like that kind of goes back to our Kolaris, the Kolaris case. And that's why I like, think that's an important case for people to be aware of because like those were not like friendly or whatever or maybe they were just indifferent but people were getting injured and like getting radiation burns so there is a there is a negative component to this i think and it doesn't mean they're all negative or you know there could be multiple things going on um and humans aren't good by any means so yeah and to the whole demonic thing like uh i don't know it kind of sounds like just maybe that's just like like the gin you know what i mean it's just like all the same name for or different names for the same thing like the Jacques Vallée book cover, um, but who knows? Yeah, I, I would tend to think that, you know, for every positive, there's a negative out there. Not all human beings are good. <laughs> we wouldn't have, you know, millions of people incarcerated on this planet for life if if people were good, you know, if everyone was good. And those are just the ones we caught. Aliens, they're going to be the same way. We have Red Panda Koala for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. We're going to head down to Brazil to one of his favorite cases. What the hell is going on in Brazil and all the aliens and UFOs? We'll find out next on Spaced Out Radio. All right, we're clear. What are you working on there, Dirt? Oh, we got a picture of uh, 
a government agent being stopped by somebody. Oh, calling <laughs> him out on his on his cheesy disguise. Mm. <laughs> Look at that. Would you look at that? It's not done yet, though. You're never done. Nope. Oh, Vidal, yeah, I'll probably do a Paul Benowitz one or a Richard Doty one at some point, for sure. I see that question in the chat from a little bit ago. Here. All right, there we go. Now I'm set up for the news. We will get to... Uh, uh, some more questions. Rocky Bandito, happy birthday today, man! Happy birthday. birthday! If you want me to sing, happy uh, name day, sir! I will sing to you. Do it, Dave. Will you join me, Phil? You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens. And see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. I'm Amy, and this is my life with California Closets. This is an amazing time in my life. We got married, new home, baby on the way. I needed my own sanctuary space. California Closets worked with us to give us everything we wanted. When I enter my closet, it's calm, it's organized. It's its own oasis. This closet is my dream closet. Schedule your free design consultation today at californiaclosets.com. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. You always join me. But also to the useful idiot thing, too, it's kind of like they used each other, right? Well, you know what? From the people I talked to who were on the inside of that. Yeah, let's get some of that. That's what I want. Well, they, they forewarned, after that Joe Rogan interview, uh, they shut Tom down. Tom had, yes, I heard, I heard Tom that. had a really, really adverse reaction to that, which eventually saw Elizondo move to Wyoming. And <clears throat> Tom made a lot of promises to people and didn't follow through. And uh, that took a lot of people by shock. And, you know, the idea that they were... Uh, you know, here his sister was getting paid $100,000 a year uh, to do the media for TTSA, 
and they were blocking radio interviews and all sorts of podcast interviews and YouTube interviews unless they were a known supporter publicly of TTSA really struck a lot of people on the inside wrong. Add to the fact, you know, Tom with his continued, what if I were to tell you posts and then erasing them an hour or two later, he would get so excited about the information that he was hearing, he would post it. Not realize. Yeah, he definitely posted some fakes, like plenty of them. Oh, we're not even getting to the (laughs) fake videos yet that he posted that were, you know, he was calling real. But I mean, it it got to the point for these pros and these spies of the TTSA, they just they they had to draw the line with them somewhere, and they finally did when they said enough is enough, you know. And yeah, and that's something I didn't like about them early on too is that like uh, they kind of try, it seemed like they tried to like leave the UFO community behind, and even Elizondo's recent uh, ufology must die because like I'm like. Basically, like, my whole existence is, like, the exact opposite of that. Like, this history is, like, super important and rich. And, like, mm-hmm. there's so many, like, interesting people that deserve to be remembered. So that's definitely one thing where I'm, like, I do not agree with this. But also, like, I don't have to agree with everything that they do. You know what I mean? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and you know, the fact that Tom was, you know, I mean, here they are standing on a stage uh, of a pressless press conference which I was the first one to point out, you know, as being a media guy, you can't have a press conference without the press there or take questions. There was a lot of faux pas that were made because Tom wanted to do this the rock star way. And this isn't something you can do the rock star way. There's a time to rock star and there's a time not to rock star. And he couldn't uh, deviate between the two from what I was told. So, yeah, I mean, sounds about on brand. And also, like, he says a lot of, like, pretty negative, uh, like, Republican right-wing stuff and isn't, like, Elizondo, like, super right-wing, so I'm sure that. All right, here we go. Another useful idiot on the screen here. Not Jonathan. Here we go. We passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate it. want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire, checking out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Red Panda Koala is here until the top of the hour, where we take a good look at a newer set of eyes when it comes to ufology he's got great documentaries that he puts one out every few months regarding ufos and how to understand what is going on one of the incidents that he very much enjoys is looking down at brazil for the incident called colaris red panda welcome back gotta ask you tell our audience a little bit about 
Kolaris. Uh, cool, yeah. So I'll just run through that. Um, so in 1977, I believe it was September, uh, the fishing village of Kolaris and the surrounding state of Bada, I believe, the capital there is Belem, um, started reporting UFO sightings. And uh, in my video, um, and there's been some like great archivists on um, the internet and stuff like that. There's like a lot of newspaper articles from the time. And basically, it initially just started off with like glowing orb type um, UFOs, um, just kind of like being seen. But then pretty soon people started getting um, injured by them. And um, there was like testimony of like uh, people would be in their house and then it would come through the wall and then like they'd be frozen and like couldn't move. And then like it would hover over their arm and like they said it felt like they were taking some of their blood or something. And then when they would go to the doctor in town, like they had radiation burns in that area. Um, and uh, because of the whole blood thing, they called it the um, chupa chupa, which is like suck suck, like it's sucking your blood, like a vampire or something. Um, and then so the the physician in town, because in Kolaris it was a small city, um, she initially didn't believe it, and uh, as more and more people came in, she was like, "What the heck is this?" And then she eventually had her own sighting, and then she was like, "Okay, like something's up." Um, and it basically got to a point where like uh, the the, a lot of the women and children left the village and like went to other parts of Brazil and the men like stayed there and no one was fishing. There was testimony that like no one was fishing. Like everyone was hungry. Like everyone was just afraid to go outside. And like the priest and the men would um patrol the streets with guns. But like there was a few times where they even fired at the UFO and like their gun wouldn't work. So it was just like, it, it didn't matter. Um, And then, so yeah, initially it was like farmers and fishermen that were reporting it. And then like I was saying earlier, it, it eventually got to police commissioners and mayors of multiple cities um, reporting these UFOs. And these were also documented in newspapers at the time of like, this mayor said this, they saw this. Da, da, da. Uh, so eventually it got to the point where they, um, like the citizens like staged this like protest, like you're going to call the, like we need something out here. Like this is not hysteria. This is not. Whatever, and then eventually, after some of the the mayors saw had their sightings, they're like, okay, yeah, something's going on. So they called the military, and the military set out this um, team of like I think it was like twelve, I think, or so, maybe like that. It wasn't like a huge team or anything like that because they they had expected to just see um, like mass hysteria. And then when they get there, eventually they they have their own sightings. Multiple there's multiple testimonies of the people on the the because uh, it was a Brazilian Air Force. Um, delegation or whatever so you have multiple testimonies from um now military people who were sent there uh and there's even a testimony of holanda who i told you about like had like a humanoid encounter which was like pretty weird and he said it like spoke to him in like robotic portuguese i don't know like yeah it's all weird right it's all super weird um and then there's even some people claim that like there was americans mixed in with the uh guys but that was kind of like not really as well established as like just that it was Brazilians there, but that's just something to be aware of for people. Um, and then, yeah, they, they had, oh, and it, and then it even ties into like Bigelow and stuff. Cause I guess Bigelow, it's rumored that like he bought some of the tapes or something. I don't know. Have you heard that? I have uh, heard, but yeah. Yeah. I heard that a lot of that money came out of the money that he got from the U S government, the 22 million. Oh, really? Interesting. Because I do know it was like an ATIP guy who went down there, or an OSAP guy. Um, I think it was the, even the guy who was uh, 
who was on the Marine um, airplane during the Nimitz thing that was like potentially going to go rendezvous with the uh, Tic Tac. Um, I forgot that guy's name, but I think it was the same guy. Um, so yeah, and then eventually they basically just said like, we don't know what to do. We're just going to leave. And then they they left. And then eventually, like after two or three months, it all stopped. And yeah, like I said, the the official statement for years was that it was uh, lighthouses offshore causing the hysteria. And there was even um, the uh, there's even one person who like pretty much died. Like she was like frozen. And then when they took her to the hospital, like to the big city hospital, like she passed away. And when the the local um, hospital lady uh, tried to get her records, like her records were destroyed from the bigger hospital. So there's even like a little bit of a light layer of like cover up. And then, and then, yeah, like I was saying, there, uh, AJ Gavard interviewed Holanda like in the in between period when it was still kind of like that's fake, like da 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 da. And he, his, uh, I really recommend you guys should go watch it and find his uh, interview he did with him. It's really interesting. It's a really good piece of like UFO history to familiarize yourself with. And yeah, he's basically just talking about like, yeah, like we went there expecting to see nothing, and we saw all this crazy stuff, and like people were actually getting injured and stuff like that. We didn't know what to do. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, like I said, uh, uh, that they it's important too because they officially released those documents, and anyone could go look at them on the Brazilian uh, National Archives. Oh, and there's another interesting angle too, which comes up in my other videos, is the um, the National Enquirer angle because uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Terry Hansen uh, was a great researcher. He wrote the book Missing Times. He unfortunately passed away, I think, in 2014, but he had found some circumstantial evidence that the National Enquirer was part of the entire, like, a UFO psyop, cover-up, whatever you want to call it, just, like, muddying the waters. And um, uh, uh, basically, the, the National Enquirer was the first American publication to cover Kolaris, which is kind of, like, lends credence to that, because that'll happen a lot. They were the first uh, American publication to cover some of the, like, UFOs and nuke stuff in the 60s, and they were the first American publication to... Um, interview Jesse Marcel before the release of the book by uh, Berlitz and Bill Moore. So you, you kind of see this thread pop up uh, here and there of like some weird shit sco- or stuff's going on. And the national Enquirer is here now covering it. Why, why do you think they turn it over to the national Enquirer? So there's actually some really interesting history there. We'll get into that. Uh, so and in my video, I talk about like it's circumstantial, right? There's no document that exists right now online that you could find or in any archive that says like, we did this for this, but you have to look into the founders of the National Enquirer. Uh, it was um, founded by this guy named Generoso Pope Jr., and his father was Generoso Pope Sr., who had come over from Italy to America, uh, New York City, and he had basically bought, ended up um, saving enough money to buy the largest Italian-American newspaper in the city, or I think in the country, actually, Il Progresso. So that gave him a lot of political power in that time. Uh, this was before TVs were popular. This is you know, it's radio and newspapers. So you having like the biggest um, way to reach this segment of the population gave him a lot of political power. The, the, the Pope family was close with Benito Mussolini, believe it or not. And um, uh, FDR, their influence was so impactful that FDR um, personally asked Generoso Pope Sr. to help convince the Italian-American population to go to war against Italy, right? Because they were part of the Axis. And then after the war, the CIA used that same publication uh, Il Progresso, where they told uh, Pope, we need letter writing campaigns from Italian Americans to their relatives back in Italy to like not vote for communism, basically, because a lot of Europe was like just wrecked. Right. So a lot of people are like, oh, communism looks like a good option now. 
so that's all said. That's the dad, right? Now we get into the son. The son grew up in that world. Uh, he, like, the political power. Oh, they were also, like, close with the mafia, right? Of course they were. Um, so, anyways, the son ran Il Progresso for a bit, and then in 1951, he went to go work for the CIA Psychological Warfare Unit, and he worked there for a year and a half or two years. And right after leaving there, and this is, mind you, this is 1952, the big wave over D.C., he buys the New York Inquirer and changes it to the National Inquirer. Before he had bought it, it was kind of like a more serious paper. But when he bought it, he started, uh, he changed it to having, um, like, covering, like, celebrity gossip and, like, stuff like that. And then in 1953, the year of the Robertson panel, is when they started covering UFO stories. And by the end of the year, they covered the most UFO stories of any publication. And then um, they were the first tabloid to be carried in every grocery store in America. So if you weren't actively looking for UFO information, you can basically see, like, the National Enquirer. And then even in 1966, when those congressional hearings were happening and the whole Condon Committee was happening, Janet Rosso Pope Sr. Jr. was still running the National Enquirer. And he um, launched this other, uh, like, Weekly World News or one of those ones, but, like, totally dedicated to aliens. And um, so, yeah, when you look look at that whole history, like, he literally went from the CIA to... Oh, and in my video I talk about, too, there's there's better documented evidence for them creating National Enquirer-type papers in other countries, like in India. There was this, like, instance where... uh, some senator like came across and he was like, what's going on here? And, and yeah, just this whole like kind of disinfo muddying the waters campaign. So I, I personally think it's uh, pretty, pretty likely that it was part of the whole, cover-up, muddy the waters. you know, it's funny because I was talking to a friend of mine who used to work at area 51 and he was telling me that out at the dreamland there, they have a good laugh with a lot of uh, Hollywood movies because a lot of the things Hollywood will put on their movies has already been tested or flown at Area 51, and they just think it's funny that the public is just getting a look. It's one of those those little pieces of dry humor that they get out at the base. And with this one, like even with what you're saying, you know, it reminds me so much of another Hollywood movie where in the, the original Men in Black, mm-hmm. you, you literally get Tommy Lee Jones stopping at the at the uh, magazine rack in New York and and, you know, picking up the world news and and everything, saying that this is a source of information. And we all laughed at that, man. We all Isn't that crazy, to- right? I was like, yeah, it's, it's wild. And like, yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't know that General So Popes had this whole history and it's just, it's just wild. And uh, like I said, I think it's, uh, that's why I made that video because it's like important to see all the different angles that like, because it wasn't just that. It was that plus the Avro car plus Gen F-146, which made it illegal for military and commercial pilots to report UFOs. Plus Air Force Regulation 200-2, which made it so only positively identified cases were to be shared with the press. It was like all these different things. It was the TV script modification, all these different things compounded over like basically two decades of like official policy is how we get a culture where it is today, where it's like stigmatized and people don't report it and stuff like that. It is kind of weird. It's very weird with how that works. So, I mean, the idea behind Brazil though, going back to the original topic of everything <laughs> here with Brazil and Colares, you know, there are so many different stories coming out of Brazil and it's funny because most of the aliens that you hear or alien reports that you hear coming out of Brazil are like these these murderous killers, you know, right out of horror movies. What do you think that's all about? 
Yeah, I, don't, I, th- I think it's just kind of like what we were saying earlier of like, there's just a spectrum of everything, right? Like not every, whatever this phenomenon is, is probably going to be totally uh, benevolent to us. So I think that's just hopefully what it is. Maybe, and hopefully our government's just better at covering it up for us. But uh, no, I don't, I don't know. Maybe just different groups of ETs or interdimensional beings have different control over different parts of the world. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of really, like the, like the Kolaris one is just the, the most, I think the most probably violent mass UFO sighting I've come across. Do you think aliens walk among us? So I think, I think honestly, probably like, like some of the technology that like you see, like you think like, Oh, if they could do that, they could probably do this or, you know what I mean? But also who knows, but I'd say if I, if I was like forced to say something, probably, but I don't know. What do you think? Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I just haven't figured out who, what, where, when, why yet. Mm-hmm. I have. Are you an alien, Dave? Me? No. No. Me no. neither. How about, are you sure? Pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I do know that uh, I questioned some of my audience. There's some weirdos in there, and I mean that in a very polite, positive way, and I like them weirdos, you know? But, you know, am I an alien? No. No. I got into this game way too late to figure that out, you know, <laughs> but I think I, ha- I don't know if I've met any per se, not that I know of, I, you know, maybe Lou Jimenez, he looks half alien with that mustache of his, you know, oh. good friend of this show, you know, but no, I, I just, don't I wish Lou well. Yeah. Lou's awesome. Lou's a good guy. Fantastic mustache. That's why we call him the lip blade around here, you know. But moving on here to another one of your documentaries, uh, you have one that you did a couple of months ago called the CIA, How the CIA and the Air Force Created the UFO Stigma. What's this all about? So that one kind of is like the, the one, bef- it goes like, I was saying the Robertson panel, it ends with the Robertson panel. So that one just kind of goes with, when they were first starting to really influence media. So it starts with like project sign. <coughs> oh, sorry. And project sign was, uh, you know, kind of like internally divided. If you've heard of like the estimate of the situation or whatever on what the UFOs were. And um, the project sign report was kind of a little bit open-ended and it kind of spurred on like a lot of extra press coverage. So after that, when they went into project grudge, you see them start um, uh getting into like manipulating the media. And there was a few articles in some very popular magazines at the time, which introduced the language of like, like I was saying crazy, like not exactly the words, but basically just crazy kook people who report this are kooks. Um, and then yeah, after 1952 with the UFO wave already seen the Robertson panel, that's when you see all the other things. Like I was saying, that's when you see the introduction of the Avercar an increase in coverage of uh, the contactee movement at where you like, I saw a seed, a decrease of coverage of people like Kehoe. And then, yeah, what I was saying earlier was there's this uh, Air Force uh, Regulation 200-2, which mandated that you only could share positively identified cases with the press. And uh, that that was getting updated, like, every few years, too. Like, they updated it after Repelt's book came out. They updated it after um, Roscoe Hill and Cotter came out in support of uh, the first director of the CIA, came out in support of UFOs in the, like, 5960. Um, and then same with Janap 146, which was the... Uh, they basically uh, they sat down a bunch of the 
airline executives at the Roosevelt Hotel and said that like, um, and remember, and this is what I said in the video too. The the mentality of the people on the ground was like, we're preventing the Soviets from being able to use this as like a in a nuclear war setting, you know. And, and it was like the fifties and forties, so it was like peak, like we could get nuked at any moment. At least that's their official stance. So, um, yeah, and it was just because that's like an important thing. And like I was saying, like it's an important thing, and it, a lot a lot of people were talking about the stigma. And even at the first congressional hearings, I, I cover that. Um, uh, how uh, I forgot his what's the congressman? Uh, I can't forget his name. But um, you're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens, and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today, or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places. And plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. I'm Amy, and this is my life with California Closets. This is an amazing time in my life. We got married, new home, baby on the way. I needed my own sanctuary space. California Closets worked with us to give us everything we wanted. When I enter my closet, it's calm, it's organized. It's its own oasis. This closet is my dream closet. Schedule your free design consultation today at CaliforniaClosets.com. And Moultrie even said, they both mentioned the stigma, uh, that we need to get rid of this stigma. So it's like, it's important for people to understand, like, the, the, the reason that there is a stigma that we have to get rid of is because, like, it was intentionally created and seeing those mechanisms i think is important to understanding just the entire ufo story um and then yeah that video is actually pretty cool too because i start the video off with just this like montage of just like from the muhammad ali clip where he's talking about ufos and the the crowd just starts laughing uh, i i go from there and then i go to a clip of um i can't forget it was like a, a conservative political commentator i forgot his name he died but it was in like the early 90s or late 80s and uh, and they basically just have like I think I have like six or seven clips just going from like the seventies all the way to today, like every decade basically of just an example of somebody mentioning UFOs in a very serious manner. And then just like the entire audience, just like instantly laughing, like on cue, you know what I mean? So it kind of just sets the tone of like, this is why it's like that. This is why like I did, I didn't, I wasn't like anti UFO, but I just didn't think anything of it. So it's like, this is why that our society is like programmed and conditioned for that. Do you believe then that that is still happening today? Oh yeah. Why so? Yeah, I don't like that's yeah with everything with everything and with the phones and with YouTube and like censorship. Yeah, they're oh they the um, Alan Dulles wishes he like probably could have had the phones. I mean, isn't that what Doty said the other night? Like on a uh, I forgot what show, but he was like, yeah, well, if I had if I lived in this day and age while I was working, which he probably still you know what I mean, uh, they could do so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I agree with you. I mean, I still think he's working. I don't think you ever get out. I really don't. I really don't think you ever get out. Yeah, I think I think that's probably probably true, right? But it's not a saying like you never leave the CIA or something. It, it would be one hell of a good time, though, being involved in this, you know, seeing it, it kind of work the way it is. I'm not going to lie. I, I would be very interested with it. I, w- I wouldn't mind that job. <laughs> just just like uh the 50 cent army pictures you see where it's just like a wall of phones and just different twitter accounts on ufo twitter just talking smack to people all day 
Yeah, absolutely. And and that's really really what it is. And and I mean, look, I mean, the the easy part for the government these days when we talk about social media is we put it all out there. You get somebody like UFO Joe who transcribes absolutely everything on Twitter or you get somebody, you know, who uh, you know, instead of asking questions in private like we most of us do, you get uh, many people out there who are who are uh, you know asking questions publicly and getting answers publicly from the figures that they are questioning, whether it's somebody like Gary Nolan or somebody you know as uh, annoying as Mick West. I mean, there's no need for these secret phone calls anymore. Everything seems to be going on Twitter regarding it. Yeah, and it is interesting too. Looking back at the history, like. I feel like ufology has always been this like mudslinging, like low key drama fest. You know, uh, there's a uh, Jim Mosley. He he used to have this magazine called like Saucer Smear, where he would uh, kind of just kind of highlight a lot of just the drama and just over the topness that happens in this community. It's it's just funny to know, just like some things just never change. No, no, you know, as we have time winding down here, and we have a grand total of about. Two minutes left with you. What's your next project coming up here? So I originally wasn't going to do like a trilogy, but it kind of just worked out that way where now I'm just going to end it because it ends with the, the, so the first one was how the CIA and Air Force created the stigma. That one ends with the Robertson panel. And then the second one, Project Blue Book, the UFO propaganda wing picks up with the Robertson panel and ends at the Michigan UFO wave and the CBS documentary that was made in response to the wave. So then I'm going to end it with a, just kind of like the Condon committee and the two congressional hearings that happened. And just kind of like all the different things that happened in between there, the the first congressional hearing, the Condon committee, the symposium, the American astronautical symposium or whatever. And then, yeah, that one's, that one, I'm pretty excited. I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be a nice little like trilogy once it's all done. And then it'll be cool too. Cause I, I'm definitely going to return to that era and then like, just like, I feel like eventually, especially with the way YouTube is, I'll be able to like make a playlist where it's like, those won't be like the three in a row, but there'll be like a bunch of videos in between. So it'll be like tell this really full story that I could just add to here and there. Because there's like three or four different arcs, right? There's like the Blue Book era, there's like the in between era, and then there's like whatever this era is called. Um, so yeah, for sure that one. And then after that, I think I'm going to I'm gonna start redoing some of my older ones because like I was just learning how to edit this entire time too. So um, redo some of those. And then I want to do another news recap. But I think it'll, I'll probably just do like a five-year recap just because like it's been five years and then probably a Wilson doc one. And then after that, I have like, I have like a list of like 200 or probably even more actually, if I really counted it out of just like things that I collect for to hopefully potentially make a video about one day, like put files away for. Well, you got some great work ahead of you, some great work that you put behind you already. Red Panda Koala, thank you so much for coming on Spaced Out Radio tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Dave. I had a lot of fun, dude. It was very cool. We are so good. Hopefully I'll see you at an event someday. Absolutely. Come to our... Fly down to the James Fox uh, thing. Well, maybe the Vegas party. Maybe the Vegas party. You know, but Red Panda Koala, everyone. YouTube.com forward slash Red Panda Koala. Go check out his UFO documentaries. Coming up next, Swamp Dwellers here. Then Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio with the Cryptid Report. All right. Dude, that was fun. That was fun. I had a great time, yeah. Uh, 
You know, oh, yeah. Tupacabra showed up in the chat room here. Should we? Oh, heck yeah. Hey, Tupac. Sh- should we uh, maybe, uh, you know, c- keep it quiet now and apologize how we were just totally bashing him and insulting him? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let's just keep that. The quiet. grift on that guy. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Total grifter. Total UFO <laughs> grifter. That guy is riding the Milky Way, grifting away on a surfboard made of UFO parts. It's hilarious. Yeah, oh, look at, yep, Lisa Menez is in the chat. Yep, my first ever, uh, like, UFO interview was on their show. Yeah. I really liked uh, the vibe and stuff. Yeah. It, was, it was a good time. That was a good. Lou has a hell of a mustache. A hell of a mustache. Great mustache on him. Jonathan Davies said, Red Panda, you should do when the uh, when the UK government disclosed and the media looked the other way. That'd be a good one, too. Yeah, the UK is super uh, quiet. We'll see. But other countries are randomly like opening up. Like Japan seems to be opening up mm-hmm. this stuff. And Brazil, maybe. We'll see where that goes. But uh, right they on. already released a bunch of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, right. cool, man. I guess uh, we'll let you guys know. Oh, Joe wants to know, what's your opinion of eating breakfast for dinner? Um, I think it's good. Good option. Good yeah. cheap option, too, if you're ever like broke, you know. Yeah. So, this guy's gone. He's gone. You got to go. <laughs> You got to go now. Later, buddy. Take care. Later. Breakfast for dinner guy coming on my show. Son of a gun. He was such a good guy right before that. And then he breakfasts it up. Now I got to go take a break here. I'll be back.
I am back. We got 27 seconds. Thank you again to T2E, Catfish, Apollo for the amazing super chats. We really do appreciate it. And a uh, reminder, we're about to put the deposit down on Las Vegas 2023, May 19th to 21st. We'd love to have all of you there hanging on out with us. A good day of partying with UFOs. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Pancreston. Pancreston is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. We take our two dogs outside to their kennel so they can get out of the house for a while and run and play. These are not small dogs. One is a black lab husky mix, and the other is a full-blooded Staffordshire Terrier, or a pit bull. The kennels are placed at the edge of the yard near the woods. These woods are oversized, large enough to take a day to go hiking through them. Lately, when it gets dark, the dogs seem on edge. They will bark and whine toward the house to come in. At first, I thought they just wanted to get back into the house, but now I think they're actually scared. Three nights ago, when I went to get them, it was already pretty dark, but we have a security light, so it's not like it's pitch black or anything. I got to the front of the first kennel and noticed both dogs were absolutely silent. They constantly bark at me excitedly when I go to them, but they are dead silent this time. This weirded me out a little, but not to the point of being scared. I will admit that there was a certain uneasiness in the air though, something I can't quite explain, but it's sort of like an electric feeling, like I was about to be shocked. The longer I was there, the more uneasy I felt. I started getting out the first dog, the lab, and heard a heavy snap in the woods near the kennels. I froze. The dogs froze. By this time, I was so on edge that if someone had spoken, I would have jumped, screamed, and possibly ran for my entire life. 
The creepy feeling in the air just kept getting thicker. The lab had put her bushy tail stuffed underneath her and was whining. This didn't make me feel any better. The pit bull was as far away from the woods as she could be, whimpering for me to come get her. I can only take one dog in at a time because they get too excited and sometimes try to fight, so I avoid that at all cost. I felt so bad leaving the pity there by herself, but I had to do it. As I walked away, she barked this high-pitched whining type of bark at me that I had never heard her do before. The lab could not get to the house quick enough. I went back for the other one and dreaded every step as her door was to the base of the woods. I would have to turn my back to the woods to open her door and get her out. As I approached the kennel, the air felt heavy and stale, with an unpleasant smell like a dead skunk. Another snap and I was ready to run for it, but I didn't want to leave my dog, who had her head defensively facing the woods. I could barely make it. It felt like trying to walk through water. I was terrified by the time I reached the door. I heard heavy breathing behind me as I got my dog out. She was scared, but started growling behind me. I was frozen in place. The breathing continued for at least a minute before I heard steps coming toward us. We both took off at the same time. A terrifying scream came from the base of the woods. I didn't dare look back. I just ran. My pity pulled me back to the house. I got in, flipped off all the lights, and stared out the window at the woods. I could see something moving slightly, but just out of my sight. It moved back and forth about five times, then disappeared. It took me forever to fall asleep because I was so scared that every little noise freaked me the heck out. The next night, I went to get the dogs earlier. Right around dusk, I thought all was good until I was getting my pity out. A very loud snapping sound rang out as a tree branch had just been snapped in half. It sounded far away, so I hurriedly got my dog and started walking toward the house. A few steps from the kennel, I heard something big that started charging toward me from inside the woods. We ran again, which appeared to follow for so long, then retreat. Now, every night since then, I hear sounds coming out of the woods like branches breaking and being thrown around, knocking on trees and roaring. I am terrified. I no longer take my dogs down there. I take them for walks instead during the day and make sure we are all in before dusk. I don't know what to do. I'm thinking about buying a gun, but I'm not sure it will help. Well, that's why we love the Swamp Dweller around here, always spooking us out with another creepy story. Swamp Dweller can be heard here every Monday through Friday night, kicking off Hour 3 of Spaced Out Radio. We love the Swamp Dweller around here. You can listen to thousands of his stories by going to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. They're all free right there for you. Just hit subscribe on his channel. All right, here we go. Super Duke is back with the Cryptid Report. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio, seen and heard all around the world is here and we love it when he comes on in and he will have until the bottom of the hour here with another weird cryptid story super duke how you doing buddy doing pretty good dave what's the update from you what happened with your uh, research area last weekend you know what i went out there and i took some newbies out there and we just had a beautiful view of the stars there was no noise 
the energy that was out there, Duke. Remember last week when I was telling you how freaky it was and there was something mm-hmm. strange going on? Nothing like that. Absolutely nothing. I had had a conversation before going into the forest with Robin McRae, a good friend of yours, and mm-hmm. she expected it to be very calm. She called that shot very, very uh, cleanly, which was nice, you know, but it was just a complete different area. I don't know what was there. Well, that's all good news because you don't want what was there the previous time to still be hanging around. Apparently, they took a hike. You chased them aliens off your lawn, Dave. Good job. Well, I don't know if it was aliens or or whatever it was, Duke, but all I can say, uh, to be absolutely blunt and and honest, is I've only experienced that type of fear a couple of times, and it's not very comfortable. And when I say a couple of times, that was like the second time. The second time. (laughs) That's not a lot. No, and it's not... It's not fun. It is not fun whatsoever when your entire body is telling you, get the hell out of here. There's something Mm -hmm. strange, and you have to listen. You do. I don't know which is worse when you're getting the there's something out there and get the hell out of here thing going on. or when You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Doing your best work from home is not easy when you don't have the right space. California Closets will help you create a custom solution that works for you, your family, and your life. Whether it's a small space, shared space, multifunctional space, or kids space, our professional design consultants will help you get organized and make your space one that works better for you. Now you can love where you live and work. Schedule your free in-home or virtual design consultation today at californiaclosets.com. Know what's out there, and you're getting to get the hell out of there thing going on. It's hard to tell which one's worse. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is not cool, man. Not cool. What do you got for us tonight? Well, I got one report, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, I believe it was uh, some. It's somewhere up in northern Canada. I can't remember exactly which province, but this guy was driving along with his friend, and there were some mountains on their left hand side, and. Well, he's driving along, he's looking at the snow-capped mountains, and he sees on the, the ridge, the very ridge at the top one of them, what looks like a giant walking along it. So as you can hear on the video, he's yelling for his friend to pull over, and his friend won't do it. So he's doing his best to stabilize and trying to get some video of this thing walking along the ridge line of the mountain. So <clears throat> I remember seeing that you know, months ago when it came out. Now, apparently there's been several follow-ups since then. They went back a couple of days later, and actually pulled over somewhere and stabilized the camera and took video of the same mountaintop. And you can tell it's absolutely definitely the same spot, same mountain, same place, and there's nothing up there. So originally there were people saying, well, that's just a power pole or something. You know, it's a transmitter uh, rebroadcaster system. There's nothing there two days later. So then they came back there again, and local law enforcement mysteriously chased them out of there and said they couldn't park there. 
And then they came back again, and this time uh, roughly in the same area where they had seen the giant silhouette, there's what looks like a structure, like some kind of a giant tent with a couple of uh, mastheads or, uh, you know, beacon poles or something sticking out of it. And then the next time they go by there, there's two helicopters that are coptering some giant heavy uh, cargo off the top of the ridge. So then he puts out a video where there's an unmarked car sitting outside of his house watching him. And he goes running out and tries to get him on video and they speed away. And then the next thing he comes on and he says, well, this was all just a hoax. It's just a prank. Now, all of this was made for entertainment. And you're sitting there looking at him going, okay, where'd you get the copters? How would you get the giant silhouette on top of the mountain? And then two days later he dies. So, uh, yeah, kind of makes you wonder what was going on with that one. That's pretty strange. You know what, Duke? I mean, does anything really surprise you anymore? I mean, let's just be honest no. here. Nope. Nope. Seeing too much weird stuff all on my own. So that kind of <laughs> that kind of stuff doesn't surprise me at all. We got some uh, bizarre incidents that happened in uh, – up in my fave research area a while back when Eric was up here that we'll be talking about on an upcoming show with him. Very peculiar. But uh, since I was teasing everybody in the audience uh, the whole time in the chat room, we should probably get along to what I was telling them that we're going to talk about tonight. And that's that not just us ordinary nobody weirdos are interested in cryptids. The really famous weirdos are interested too. And let's hear a list of who some of them are. And this is from the uh, Rome News Tribune. And they say, uh, Flash Gordon legend Brian Blessed recently revealed that the late Queen Elizabeth and her husband, Prince Philip, were fascinated with the legend of Bigfoot and were believers in Sasquatch. The real couple aren't the only stars to believe in cryptids or the paranormal, as many other celebrities claim to have seen Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, or even aliens. And here's a list of 10 that make such claims. First up, we got Charlie Sheen, former two and a half man star, traveled to Scotland in 2013 to hunt for the Loch Ness Monster uh, and explained that it had been a lifelong dream to search for the mysterious beast. Sheen told talk show host Jay Leno, quote, I went to Scotland and spent a night with a bottle of whiskey in a rowboat on Loch Ness. Charlie wasn't able to see Nessie, but did reveal that there was an event on the water the day after he departed. And man, I hate when that happens. I was literally in a research area for two weeks, and the day after I left it, a farmer two miles away got great video of a Bigfoot in his farm field behind his house. <laughs> and the next one up we got Megan Fox. Megan is convinced that Bigfoot exists and has vowed to be the person to hunt down the Sasquatch. The Transformer actress told Peoples, Bigfoot is real, and I have confidence in myself that if I were ever taken out on an expedition, I would be the one to find Bigfoot. Okay, Megan, you want to see a Bigfoot? Go out with me. I'll show you one. Yeah, I've already got, her, I've also- already got her booked. I've already got yeah. her booked. Yeah, good luck with that, Dave. I'm the one that can actually find him every time. Fox has also revealed that she believes in aliens, leprechauns, and the Loch Ness Monster. She said there's something to it. Well, you don't got aliens, so I'm taking her for the aliens then. Yeah, you could take her to find the aliens. I ain't, I ain't looking for those things. I just know her Bigfoot hangout. 
Rob Lowe, as people in uh, chat earlier mentioned, talking about famous people that have had a uh, supposedly had a Bigfoot sighting. This guy is not even in the same universe as who wins this contest, but he is listed here. The actor revealed that he had a genuinely terrifying experience with Bigfoot while filming his 2017 series, The Lowe Files, in Oklahoma. And interesting to note that Oklahoma is actually the state that has the most Bigfoot reports, not any of the PacWest states. Rob told Entertainment Weekly, we had an incredible encounter with what locals called the Wood Ape, which is in the Ozark Mountains. I'm fully aware that I sound like a Hollywood kook right now. I was lying on the ground thinking I was going to be killed. <laughs> well, if that was his reaction, he probably did have one of those encounters. Now, getting back to the Royals here, uh, again, we mentioned that uh, Flash Gordon actor Brian Blessed claimed that the late British Royals were fascinated the legend of Bigfoot. And he says the Queen and Prince Philip even met a man called, and if you've been paying attention, you know this name, Albert Ostman in Canada, who claimed to have been kidnapped by four of the beasts. He said, uh, excuse me, it's the most brilliant account of Sasquatch I've ever heard. He describes being kidnapped. He describes four of them being taken away. It's so real. Scientists examined him. He didn't like to repeat his story, but he told the queen the whole story, and she believed him completely. And next up, we've got Johnny Depp. The guy that likes to have public trials and have fights with his girlfriend. Pirates of the Caribbean star joked that he had missed a press conference in Japan, keeping in mind this is a joke, after being attacked by a chupacabra. Speaking in 2015, Depp said, quote, I was attacked yesterday morning by a very rarely seen or experienced animal, the chupacabra. I fought with it for hours. They're very persistent, very mean. And I'm pretty sure it, it came in my suitcase. I threw him out the 23rd floor window, so we'll never see him again. Thank you for understanding. <laughs> okay, Johnny. That's like Charlie Sheen in the rowboat with a whiskey bottle. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. My Next goodness. up, Westworld star, uh, which, uh, excuse me, let's go back up here so I can get her name. Evan Rachel Wood confessed she always carries herbs with her to help clear demons from wherever she goes. Asked what she carries with her at all times. Evan said sage and gemstone tiger eye for cleaning demons out of places. Next one up, perhaps not too big of a surprise here. We've got Dean Cain. Dean Cain, the Superman actor, hosted the TV show $10 million Bigfoot Bounty as he led teams to an expedition to see if they could find the legendary beast and revealed that it caused him to believe in Bigfoot's existence. Dean said, I began, I began as a complete skeptic, and I will say I'm much less skeptical now. My brother was a real Sasquatch believer, which is why I bought him the Yeti statue in the Sky Mail catalog when I knew I was doing the show. I'd love to be the leader of the expedition that discovered Bigfoot. Well, there's another one. Get your butt out there and put some mud on your boots. Ariana Grande, pop star revealed in a 2013 interview that she had experience with demons on a trip to Kansas City. Ariana recalled, I felt this sick, overwhelming feeling of negativity over the whole car, and we smelled sulfur, which is the sign of a demon. And there was a fly in the car randomly, which is another sign of a demon. The Thank You Next singer claims that she took a photo and captured the, quote, super distinct faces, unquote of the demons. They do not show the picture. 
Ted Danson, Cheers actor, mm-hmm. starred in the 1996 film Loch Ness and revealed that he enjoys the mystery of the famous Scottish monster. Asked if he believed in Nessie, Ted said, I'd hate to be convinced one way or the other. I think that is what the movie's about, the possibility, the hope that something exists. If you had a picture that could prove it did not exist, that would be sad. I grew up with a myth. Everybody knows about the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot in British Columbia. And he specifically said British Columbia, Dave. Shout out to where you're at. Yes. Dan Aykroyd, Mr. Ghostbuster. Ghostbuster stars a big believer in Bigfoot and also an avid alien hunter. Dan once claimed that aliens were visiting Earth because the planet is, quote, the center of the universe, unquote. He told the Guardian newspaper, I think we're at the center of the universe, and that's why they're coming. They're visiting because this is the planet that produced Picasso, the atom bomb, penicillin. There are so many advances in science, art, and culture, which nah, I don't agree with you on that, Dan. I think they'd find our science, art, and culture to be fairly laughable. Uh, so the real question now is who is the winner here? Who's the most famous guy that claims to have actually seen a Bigfoot? And don't forget, we've got some pretty famous ones in American folklore. We've got uh, Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett, both had encounters. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who had the secondhand encounter from uh, the uh, Bauman encounter story, uh, where Jessup got killed, apparently. And then he had his own weird incident that happened where they never saw anything, but there was something around camp all night long making weird noise and scaring the leaving, uh, living bejeebers out of them. And most people don't even talk about that. So we got some candidates in our own country here, but uh, that's not the most famous person because there's a difference between saying, I believe there might be a Bigfoot and there's uh, and I've seen a Bigfoot. And in March, 2016, no less a person than Vladimir Putin and his secretary, the security people claimed that they had observed three Russian Yeti while visiting a remote village in Siberia. Russian president discovers proof that fabled creature exists while on short vacation in the Kamarovo region. Environmental rangers and hunters in remote mountain terrain say the Kremlin leader, quote, personally witnessed, unquote, three Yeti while on a recent helicopter trip to a remote location known for claimed sightings of the Russian Almasti or wild man, as he is sometimes known. Rangers went on to explain that, quote, he and his entourage saw an adult male Yeti and a female and a smaller child Yeti at a distance of about 150 meters, said Dmitry Ivanov, a national park wildlife expert who was with the group at the time. Dmitry stated, quote, at first the creatures stood and just watched us. Then they took big strides and went off into the trees. Briefly, they reappeared again as if curious about the presidential group, but then vanished quickly again into the trees and brush. The creatures were covered in thick gray-colored hair and took giant steps, far bigger than a man. There's actually a picture of those footprints, too. The sighting is understood to have been confirmed by 64-year-old President Putin's security detachment after they inspected the footprints found in the newly fallen snow. Pictures of the prints were released later on Friday, April 1st by the Kremlin uh, press service. It's unknown if they were taken by Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev, and anybody that has a memory better than a goldfish knows that he was actually running Russia for quite some time. He was also there, and he is a noted photographer. So it is possible he's the one that took the picture of the tracks. The Yeti family sightings came on President Putin's latest wildlife visit to remote regions of Siberia. He was said to be awestruck by the sighting. 
Now scientists from the Siberian branch of the Russian Academy of Science have been ordered to investigate the discovery, but the Russians will do everything to protect the Yeti in their natural habitat. The president is well known for his exploits to protect Siberian wildlife, including tigers, leopards, polar bears, and along with Pacific whales. But if the Yeti find is confirmed, this will be his most remarkable achievement yet. On one occasion in 2012, he flew in a hang glider over the Arctic Siberia, and this is a powered hang glider. It's one that the you sit in the seat, and it's got the little uh, uh, engine on it. Uh, he flew <laughs> he flew in a hang glider over Arctic Siberia in an attempt to teach white cranes to fly south to migrate. And yeah, there's pictures. Wow, Super Duke for World Bigfoot Radio. We love it when he's here. We hate the short edition on Thursdays, but that's okay. He'll be back next week. Coming up next, it's Day 101 Night and Chucky Poo's News. We'll be right back. Super Duke, Super Duke. So yeah, Pootie Poots, uh, Yeti. And that area he was in is the same area where they found that cave that they thought that they had been living in. And then they had that big conference there where they had all kinds of high mucky mucks from uh, the press. And they had uh, Dr. Footprints from over here. And uh, Bindernagel, who was still alive at the time, went over there. Robin McRae was there. And a whole pile of Russian scientists that all had this big meeting in that area. Um, Igor Burtz had put a book out on it. Then Robin is the only non-academic in there, by the way, which is interesting. Very cool. Very cool. So there you go. Pootie Poot, uh, Mad Mad Dog of Russia, is the uh, actually the most famous person alive on Earth that admits that they've seen a Bigfoot at this point. Nice. Yeah. And we've also got Turtle Man here in our country, Mitch McConnell, who is, is uh, apparently seen one. But I don't know that he's done an interview with anybody talking about it yet. I'm sure as soon as his political career is over, that'll come along. Well, I think he needs to get on the air with Super Duke. Super Duke. Damn right. I'll get Turtle Man to stick his head out of his shell and do an interview. Right on, buddy. Come on, you ain't doing nothing in the Senate anyway. Quit pretending you're actually accomplishing anything. You have plenty of time to do an interview. Later, buddy. (laughs) See you later, guys. Have a great night. That's Super Duke right there. For World Bigfoot Radio, you can find him everywhere on all social media platforms. Go check him on out. Super Duke! Super Duke! Love him. Love him. Where am I here? Megan Fox. Let's take her out looking for some aliens and UFOs. Sasquatch. Why not? So for you who do not know, uh, yes, Bomber, I did get your message about Jane Goodall. 
I don't do the request. You know that you got to submit the name. Oh, excuse me. Submit names to bookings at spacedoutradio.com. Bookings at spacedoutradio.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, excited about going back to Vegas for the fan party. With no hair. I might go bald tomorrow. I may go bald. I haven't decided yet. Or I might just leave this one strand right here that goes back. Just that one. Oh, I need a trim for a while here. I need a trim. I'm making a I'm making a conscious healthy choice right now. I just want a full change while I do it. That's why. Hey James Weston, how you doing? No, I'm not gonna be bald in winter. I'll have some hair. But um yeah, I'm going to get a cut tomorrow. And I'm making some real different life changes. I I have gained a lot of weight. And I have never, ever in my life uh, been this out of shape, this heavy, and feeling this gross. And as I'm about to hit 50 here in May, uh, I just want to... Get, try and get a little bit more healthier. You know, I'm going to be a grandpa at the end of this year. Um, in just about, you know, two months here. Less than that. Maybe a little more. You know, I got my own boy that I love hanging out with and, and playing with and, and doing things with. And right now, I just don't have the energy. I'll finish up at the end of the show. Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where I give my opinion, I give my thoughts, and I get worked up. We call it the Dave 101. It's time for Dave 101. 
right, it's that time once again where we take a look back at what really, really has set me off. And this. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65 foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old fashioned swimming hole. See the places. And plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Looking to upgrade your kitchen with a beautiful, stylish centerpiece? LG can help with our new Counter Depth Max French Door Refrigerator lineup. Finally, the industry's first and only Counter Depth design offered in standard depth capacity. Now you can get the refrigerator style you love with the storage space you need with no compromise on interior capacity. LG's Counter Depth Max refrigerators. Built in style, full size capacity. Learn more at LG.com. This time, yeah, it's about UFOs as per usual. But let me tell you the United States Navy shutting down its idea that they are no longer going to be providing videos. It's got me all the clamped. They don't want to participate anymore. They don't want to give us any information. They don't want to play the UFO game. They're going to sit on the sidelines like the United States Air Force, like the U.S. Army, like the U.S. Marine Corps, and like Space Force, and of course NASA because they don't know whether they're coming or going anyways. Can't even build their own rockets. Here we go, though. Let's figure out why this happened. Well, a lot of people may not want to admit this, but this is my theory. My theory on why the U.S. Navy is shutting things down is because they're tired of it. They want to play their own game. They want to be the leader of the world in the military-industrial complex. They're the big boys and girls on campus who say, you do as I say, I don't care if you vote. I don't care if you are someone in political power. You'll do what we say. How about we shut down a few military bases in certain states that are going to hurt the economy? Would you like that? How would you like it if all of a sudden we don't build those fighter pilots or, or those fighter jets, or those helicopters, or those machine guns, or those ships in certain states, because we will move them to other areas that are going to play the political game. No, you don't want to mess with the military-industrial complex, because you're never going to win. And back in 2017, that's what Chris Mellon and Lou Elizondo did. They messed with the United States Navy. Now, this little incident where they brought out the Go Fast, the Gimbal, and the Tic Tac videos was something that really upset the Navy. I'm still surprised that the United States Navy never sued the Two of the Stars Academy when they put their logo on every Winkin news outlet on those three videos. It wasn't their property. That was theft. How did Elizondo get it out? It wasn't cloak and dagger, people. It wasn't rushing around to to 
quickly record these videos and then take that videotape or that or that little dossier that had them stored inside a little computer chip. Okay, it was nothing like that. Cloak and dagger, stick it in your trench coat and run off quickly before anybody notices. Not like that at all. Elizondo allegedly was given the power to review videos, and he would mark on there UFO, drone, airliner, plane, top secret for public consumption, whatever it may be. And what he did was he clicked off the drone category, that these videos were drones. Therefore, if they are drones, they are not considered UFOs. Therefore, not considered top secret evidence. And then the TTSA put their name on them. Now, I'm surprised the U.S. Navy took so long to respond to that. From what I had heard, both Mellon and Elizondo over that incident nearly lost all of their security clearance. And it was troublesome for them for quite a while. But now, as the UFO world has become more popular, we've seen more questionable videos come out, who the Pentagon has stated are allegedly real unidentified aerial phenomena, they've all of a sudden turned their back on this community. They don't want to talk to politicians. They have said to politicians who are elected officials, said, we are not giving you any more. You do not need any more. You have had enough. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as far as I know, the military is not supposed to run the politicians. The politicians and the government are supposed to run the military. But apparently that doesn't work when you are the largest Navy in the world. They have literally told Congress and the senators, screw you. You don't tell us what to do. We will give you what we want, when we want, how we want it. And if we don't want to give you anything, so be it. We don't need those videos. What we need now is government officials to release what they have. What are they seeing? What are they getting reports on that we do not know? Can we trust Space Force for having a part of this as well? Maybe the Navy is pissed off that Space Force didn't join the Navy when they have a bigger hand in space programs than the United States Air Force does. Who knows what the secret is? But what we do know is they are trying to shut down ufology. It comes nearly at the same time when Elizondo himself says that he wants to kill ufology and replace it with something a little more harmonious, if that's even possible. No, we're going back to the good old days with rumors and people who are allegedly on the inside talking to the outside, and that's where it goes. That's why all of a sudden all the bigwigs are no longer seeming to do podcasts or radio shows or YouTube channels or be seen on mainstream media talking about this subject. We all want to be in the loop. We all want to be knowing what is going on. There are hundreds of UFO researchers that are wanting this. This is why so many people are hung up on the Wilson Davis documents and the following Oak Shannon documents and Jack Houck 
documents, which we talked to Melinda Leslie about recently. Okay, this is why we are getting breadcrumbs and we are feeding off them like they are the greatest steak you've ever eaten. And for you vegans, the greatest tofu. All right, this is what it's about. They are not wanting to give us more. We are back down to morsels. We are back down to everything going hush. Yeah, we're going to have to find our own information again. And not that we are not capable of it and that there aren't the brain powers out there to do it. The problem is now, if somebody claims to be an insider, how do you know they're telling you the truth? How do you know that they are really wanting the public's best interest in what UFOs are? People, this is why we have always stressed that we need to listen to the experiencers. We need to listen to what they're saying because for many of them, they have the answers. It doesn't matter whether you are talking to Avi Loeb, Gary Nolan, whether you're talking to Jim Semivan, Tom DeLong, Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, or anyone of that ilk. Where is the real story coming from? How do we find that real story? And is it even possible? Right now, it seems impossible because they don't want us to have it. So for me, as someone who's been in this field for a while, it tells me point blank, they're covering up something. But what are they covering up? Because all of a sudden we hear the threat narrative coming back into play, which all of us thought we were finally through that childish behavior months ago. We hear other governments wanting to talk about this. Look, it comes down to money. Where can they get the most money? How are they going to get the money? How are they going to break the infinite bank of United States of American government? How do they break it? Key is they can't. But the government will still give it to them. Because they're afraid. Senators and congresspeople are afraid of losing those military bases. Losing those military contracts. Think about it. There are states in the United States that have Navy bases and they are nowhere close to a waterway. I don't know about you, but that doesn't make sense to me. Navy, water, aircraft carriers. Maybe I can't comprehend. But nonetheless, we have to push forward with the movement. This is why we have stated to you on a number of occasions on this show. Number one, listen to the experiencers. Yes, their stories may be anecdotal, but at least take what they have and mix it with your grain of salt to find out what their story is. Number two. We've told you from the beginning, this doesn't look like disclosure. This looks like a confirmation. Disclosure is opening up everything. And when I mean everything, I mean everything. We want to know what size foot the alien gray or shoe the alien grays wear 
when they come hopping down? Are they Nike or are they Converse? Or are they New Balance because they're kind of older than 55? We need to know this. We need to know what happened at Roswell. Still, 75 years later. We need to know about whether or not people like Chris Bledsoe or Travis Walton or Steph Ed Mikulik are able to really, really define what it feels like to be injured or taken by UFOs. We need this. We need it more than ever. And yes, I don't care if there's no video. Don't care if there's no photos or proper evidence. We've got enough people to corroborate the stories. We just need to find them. And when that happens, when that happens, that's how we're going to be able to find some answers. Because Lord knows right now, we have a better chance of winning the lottery than we do of this government or any government around the world disclosing UFOs. They don't want it, people. You need to realize that. I need to realize that. Because remember, it was old Davey who told you a couple years ago, there is this UFOs Pandora's box sitting somewhere in the depths of the Pentagon that holds all the secrets from Roswell on up. And those secrets are dangerous to the military-industrial complex that the United States military is in. Because if the American public ever found out what is in those boxes and the secrets that they hold, Lord knows there would be something big in retaliation. Yeah, who would have thought aliens bringing down the American military and government? Could very well be possible. Yes, I am being a little bit on a or taking a little bit of a hypothesis here. But when it comes down to it, where are the answers? Why are the answers good enough for Avi Loeb or Gary Nolan, but they're not good enough for Mr. and Mrs. Joe and Jane Sixpack, who have been abducted for the last 10 years and just want to know what is going on? Be good citizens and just know what is going on. What's the difference? Oh, sure, they could tell us we don't know how the public's going to react. Look how they did during COVID. But the public still has a right to know, especially from people who are living and making a living off the backs of those who are being experienced. And that is your Dave 101. Do us a favor. Give us a thumbs up, thumbs down. Do you agree or not agree? Leave a comment down below on our YouTube channel and let us know what you think. We'd greatly appreciate it. And we thank you for tuning it on in. Let's get to Shirky Poo's news. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's news. Video has emerged on social media of a man trying to break the arm of a Russian reservist with a sledgehammer. 
some young Russian men not wanting to go to war are breaking their limbs on purpose and posting videos of their efforts to avoid heading to Ukraine. Yep, video has emerged on social media of one gentleman trying to smash another's with a sledgehammer. The man raises the sledgehammer up and onto the other man's arm before covering his eyes and running away. And uh, the man then stands up with his arm hanging limply by its side. Another video shows a man trying to break a friend's leg while it rests on a stairwell. The one man jumps on the other's leg in the video. This trend is a dramatic version of the attempted draft dodging many Russians have tried to do by fleeing the country following Vladimir Putin's mobilization order. Yeah, that is just sick. Anybody or any politician who thinks in today's day and age like a tyrant by forcing its citizens to go to war when it's not even in your own country, that never, ever pans out unless it's World War One or Two. Never pans out. Let's hope that that ends fairly soon. A Kansas City library says a VHS tape checked out nearly two decades ago has been recently returned. The Johnson County Central Resource Library said the tape, Russian film Burnt by the Sun, was checked out on a seven-day loan in 2003. It was a blast from the past for us, Amy Field said. <clears throat> Excuse me. Contact developer for the Johnson County Library. Sometimes they have old library stickers on them or the old ways of categorizing items. That's always fun for librarians to see again. It's unclear if the borrower will be fined. The maximum fine at the library was 6 bucks. In this particular instance, with the VHS, we just don't see or just don't happen to use that format anymore, Field said. But if it's just an older book, we may have to be able to put it together and right back into circulation, and that's always great as well. There's a terrible story out of New Jersey about a man who repeatedly urinating on his ex-wife's grave. Oh my gosh, what's this about? Multiple reports allege that the man would urinate on the grave at the Tappan Reformed Church Cemetery on the border between New Jersey and New York. Michael Murray first noticed the deli bags filled with body parts that were excreted near the grave of his mother, Linda Torello, and then he contacted police. When Murray let police put cameras in the cemetery, they allegedly revealed Torello's former husband was the culprit. The 68-year-old man allegedly went to the cemetery nearly every morning between 6.14 a.m. and 6.18 a.m. with his current wife and urinated on the grave. A public urination charge was filed against the man by the Orangetown Police Department on September 18th. The investigation is ongoing. Reports say that he had a long-standing grudge with Torello, to whom he was briefly married. He left her more than 40 years ago, claiming her child was not his. The Post reported the man was the father, according to a DNA test. Torello died in 2017, and it's unclear if Murray was the child in question. Holy cow, talk about holding a grudge. Porch pirates may have become a major problem in many cities, including Austin, Texas, 
Yeah, a couple decide, there decided to get their revenge on the thieves by leaving a bag of dirty diapers for them to steal. However, the pirates were mad and struck back by smearing the dirty diapers on the door before spreading cow manure on the property. The same people came back and took the package, and when they discovered it was dirty diapers, they came back and vandalized our house. They said, yeah, twice. First the diapers, then the cow poop, 30 minutes later. It's like a pizza delivery service. That was a straw that broke the camel's back. The homeowner called police, filed a report, and there's now a detective on the case trying to figure out who's who is who's poo. And finally, a Karen's Diner manager has explained what it takes to work at the unique restaurant and the golden rules you must follow. According to who has worked in hospitality, we'll know the customer is always right, but not at Karen's Diner where you can get the middle finger pushed right back at you. The chain provides uh, prides itself on its rude service, and if you visit one of its restaurants, you can expect lots of swearing, menu throwing, name calling, and so much more. Sounds like a pleasant place to dine. Thank you, everybody, for tuning on in tonight. It's been a lot of fun talking with Red Panda Koala, Swamp Dweller, Super Duke, and, of course, the strange news as well. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is Watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself, Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, Spreaker, LGAP, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night, Mister Bumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning how to weather the storm. Engineered for more, new Duracell with Power Boost ingredients delivers power Pensacola can trust for the moments that matter most. And with the storm headed your way soon, 
Have some peace of mind knowing Duracell will help you power through the storm. Duracell, engineered for more. Versus previous copper top double at AAA. New Duracell delivers more life in some devices or more power in others than a wide range of devices.